Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage, the kid's tuition, and all the other bills? In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses. Take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance, up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the truth, Jordan? You're a <laughs> You're going to decide that, are you? What the fuck is wrong with it? <laughs> you know I'll take like I want to do my normal YouTube uh, intro, but I, I really can't because it's, ladies and gentlemen of YouTube, Boogie2988 coming at you live once again yes. through the power of, of the, the internet. internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jordan, that's amazing, dude. Come on, sir. <laughs> okay. So this is one of the podcasts that I've done. This is just purely for me. I don't yeah. fuck who watches. I don't care about anything because I've wanted to meet you and hang out with you for about 10 years. Yeah, I, I think it's been that long since mm. you and I first connected. And you once said to me, if you're ever in London, and I'm like, when the hell is that going to happen? Yeah. Like you, when you're in Arkansas, you're like, when the hell will that happen? Yeah, yeah. Here we are. It's yeah. been a wild, strange trip, hasn't it? Mate, it's, it's been wonderful watching you grow and do everything you've done. Like, when I first started watching you, you didn't even have a million subscribers. I remember when you hit a million. And my mind, as a fan, being blown, being like, wow this guy really did it the true underdog of the internet this guy has done it all he got this is when you were doing deals with like playstation yeah yeah everything was blowing up for you and you just exploded on the internet everyone was watching you it was amazing right place right time i mean i always say that um you know i had to get really lucky like lightning strikes right but you also have to put yourself in a thunderstorm if you want lightning to hit and I just put myself in the right thunderstorm, you know. You, you, you know what it is with you that I, I think I took as a, as a watcher into on my own journey is uh, authenticity. You are you, and no one else can be you better than you can. I have strayed away from that in like 2018, 2019, which was one of my biggest mistakes. I think when I was first on YouTube, I was truly authentically me. And then uh, Keemstar even advised me, like in 2017, where the internet started like turning against me a little bit. He's like, "Be the bad guy, play the heel." And I've always been like an Andy Kaufman fan. I'm wearing, I think, my Andy Kaufman yep. shirt today. And I thought, well, I can play the bad guy, right? And so I tried. I like put myself out there and did all the negative things, and and it was not authentic. And I'm assuming it was authentic. I was going through some shit. But I, I feel that though. We, yeah. I, I've, here's what happened, and Logan Paul went through it. I feel like. It, the, the the devil on the shoulder sometimes says to you, like, if everyone's laying into you, then go with it and and, and take that negative energy and adopt it yeah. and throw it right back at them. Yeah. But that, in a way, I feel like they win when you do that. They do, 100%. And, I, and that's why you know, I've been through my shit as well as you have, and I've tried not to do that because in my head I'm like, 
oh, I'm just validating your bullshit theories about me. These people who don't know me, who've got all this weird shit going on in their own lives, they're putting that on you. 100%. And yeah. They want you to be this horrible person that you're not. Right. But when you lean into that, and because the, the negativity spurs you on, it, it fucks you over. Well, I started the podcast uh, called Power of the Internet. I've got uh, an interview with Keemstar up on that channel now. It's only like three episodes long mm-hmm. at this point. But the, in, in that interview with Keemstar, he pointed out, um, like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit and I do some shitty things, right? But the problem is they're not satisfied with that. They need me to be so much more and so much worse than I actually am. And they take something and they invent it and they twist it and whatever. And he has advised me a million times, but everyone has advised me that if you ever even let's take that I was abusive to my wife as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-wife did me the favor of coming out on like public channels. She doesn't like to be a public person, but she came on a public channel. So like saying these rumors are false. It's absurd that you guys think that, but because she validated that now people are saying, Oh, see, she's talking about it. It must be true. <laughs> I bet he paid her to do it. I bet he coerced her. What if he threatened her life? Right. And so like the best thing, the one thing I've learned on the internet is you do not, those people have to be, you have to have an invisible wall between you and them. Oh, you just can't look they're, at they're, it, they're, can't hear it, can't be part acknowledgement. And the, the minute you even acknowledge that this is even a thing, you're losing. Don't explain yourself. You just be yeah. you, bro. Right. And that's what who we fell in love with as a, as a as a character. Obviously, there was Francis, and then there's Buggy, and then behind that, there's the true, real you, yeah. who isn't the entertainer, who's just the guy sitting in his house, right? Right. There is a difference between all three of those people, but for me, I always just wanted to know what you thought about life, about uh, gaming, about the news, about current events. Well, I can tell you everything that you want to know today. Mm. I will tell you my, I have, I have been, you've heard me say my journey a million times that when I get my mental health right, that's when my physical health will follow. But I have to get my mental health right. And I I knew that because every therapist I ever spoke to told me that, Mm -hmm. right? Like, hey, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, you got to fix your brain. We're going to fix your heart. We're going to fix your brain. Okay, but I want to lose weight first. Well, that's not how this works. And if you lost it, you're going to gain it back anyway because you, you're an addict and you're dealing with pain. Let's solve the pain. Let's solve the problems. And so I have spent, since my bypass surgery, that entire time in very intense therapy, especially during COVID. And in the last year, I introduced psychedelic therapy to it. And I have vastly changed my perception of the world, perception of my own body, perception of my own mind, and it is, I think that's why I'm having a fight in London. That's why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> it, it's so funny because three months ago, when, during my first session with my shaman, um, we took five grams of uh, penis envy mushrooms. My shaman hands me the, the mushrooms. He's like, now are you ready for everything to change? And I'm like, sure, I don't know what the fuck I'm agreeing to. Just feed me candy. I'm an idiot, you know? Um, and now three months later, I'm in London fighting a guy. So he wasn't wrong. <laughs> No, everything. I, I seen a video from you yeah. where you were talking about why you're doing this, and your whole attitude, demeanor. I think addicts do often need to substitute a unhealthy addiction for a healthier addiction. One hundred percent. I think that's the I, best way out. Every I, time. I, I was watching the way you were speaking, and I was like, ah, the eye of the tiger. I couldn't say it. And even if you know people are going to make their assumptions about two overweight guys getting in there and fighting. The healthiness that was coming out of you in that uh, video, I was just like, I've never seen the side of you. I'm so happy I'm to say that. I mean, I'm never going to look like you. I would I would kill to look like you. I don't think genetically it's in our, my DNA. But that said, 
I do know that being healthier is definitely my future. Well, I'm being healthier than you, man. Being the skinniest I'll ever be is definitely in my future. I, I do plan to break that 300 pound ceiling, which is 90 pounds away. We got way in today, and I should weigh about 390. Um, so I'm a big, big boy still. Mm -hmm. Got plenty of fat on me that needs to get burnt. Um, what was the heaviest you ever weighed? 587. Wow. 587 pounds. That's ridiculous. I have no clue what that is in a stone, but I was such a tremendously large dude. I was in a wheelchair for everything I did. I had to go to the doctor's office, wheelchair. If I had to go to Walmart, I got dropped off at the door. I got in the Mart cart. I went through Walmart that way. And sometimes, uh, even at home, we had to pull that wheelchair out. I had a walker for home, but even sometimes I had to pull the wheelchair out just to get around my house. And I did my best to hide that um, because I just felt like, you know, I was embarrassed by that aspect. Mm. But I mean, I just, there was a period of time where one of the reasons my marriage failed is because my wife became my caretaker. And that's not cool for anybody who's 29 years old, just how old she was at the time. Mm -hmm. As this one was literally having to help me sometimes from the chair to my uh, recliner, from my from the chair in the bed. Mm -hmm. I, I know what he wants to do that at that age. And am I right in thinking that you were diagnosed with a form of cancer? Yeah, I have polycythemia vera. I took testosterone supplements starting nine years ago. And it was the injection one, and they told me as I signed up for it, they're like, that there's a remote chance that you could get uh, a form of cancer for this. Very rare, it's bone cancer. And I'm like, okay, I would, I would like to grow muscle. I'd like to be able to repair my heart. So since I have no testosterone otherwise, let's do whatever it takes. Turns out I was one of the unlucky few after seven, eight years on the therapy. And it's so frustrating because now I'm on the, he put me back on it in preparation for this fight, but now I'm on the topic of gel. Why wasn't I on that one to begin with? Because that doesn't seem to have the same side effect. Why I'm so confused as why we did the inject, but whatever, it is what it is. Um, the prognosis on it is 20 years. And basically at the point I'm at now, it's just causing a very elevated red blood cell count. Okay. So when you say the prognosis 20 years, what does that mean? Most people who die from it will die on an average about 20 years from their diagnosis. So... You're a 48-year-old man. Yeah, that put me like 68. I think I'll be fine. Okay. You're, but this is the maddest thing for me is, you know, we've seen some uh, circumstances where people have had fights before. Never in my life do I remember someone who's 48, who's nearly 400 pounds, who has cancer, and then they're going to fight tomorrow. Well, I'm also not fighting you. No. <laughs> I'm fighting Jordy, so I'm fighting Wings. It's a, it's a bit of a different no, experience, I, I, but still. I respect it. Right? And, and, and this is the thing that people don't understand is there's a lot of people out there who wouldn't risk getting in the ring and who wouldn't have the balls to do what you're doing. And this Wings guy is 10 years younger than you. Yeah. He's bigger than you. He's yeah. got longer arms than you. Yep. You know, from an outside perspective, he should win this fight. Yeah, I'm signing up for an ass beating. I knew it when I signed up. But here's here's my thought process on it, because I had to do, uh, number one, I have $30,000 worth of implants in my face, and my dentist is not happy about this. Yes. Uh, he's he's like, if you feel a sharp pain in the fight, you have to end it immediately, get on the plane, and come to Dallas immediately so I can fix it. He's like, you could lose your implants if one of those posts break. I need to fix it immediately. I'm like, okay. Uh, my doctor, I asked him, I'm like, can I do this? He said, you're asking me the wrong question, son. I'm like, well, what's the right question? He said, should you do this? I'm like, well, should I? He goes, absolutely not. I'm like, why? And then he listed off a, a, a list of risks, stroke, heart attack, uh, broken jaw, uh, do more damage to the back, do more damage to the knee, do uh, all of the things that could happen in this fight. And I'm like, yeah, but what if I went? 
Because, <laughs> but what if I win? That is the thing. Do you know what it is though? This, and this is the thing about you: is you are the definition of what YouTube for me was all about to start off with. Was an unlikely hero, someone who, like, when when we used to watch TV, people would never have gotten an opportunity to have a huge audience the way you did. And for to be a guy who, as you say, was wheelchair bound, who'd had a very hard life, to be a, a, the people's champion. Now tomorrow. When you're walking down the to that ring, you are the people's champion, bro. For, forget oh, about winning or losing. I, I said that during the press conference yesterday. I'm like, I think I already won. Absolutely. Like, like Jordy, you might win by decision, and there's no way he's knocking me out. I'm nobody's knocking me out. I'm telling. I would take a punch from you, and I'd get back up 90 percent of the time. I think. Um, that said, uh, he might win by decision, but I already won just by being here, man. Uh, I, I'm really proud of myself. And, you know, a lot of people said, I think maybe your haters or, or other people, even Keemstar said, people are going to have respect for you for getting yes. things. And I'm glad. But at the same time, this is, I'm afraid to do this. So, I mean, just let's be honest, of course. right? Like, this is a scary thing. I don't like getting hit in the face. I haven't been hit in the face since I was 18 years old. And I don't want to do it again, right? Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Wait, hurting Mike somebody Tyson. else. Mike Tyson used to say, on the way to the ring, yeah. he's scared. Yeah. You're not human if you're not scared. So yeah. just remember that when you're on the way, it's normal to be scared. But what I want you to do as a friend, yeah, yeah. I just want you to soak it all up, bro. Oh, yeah. Every second. Yeah. Because that, that, like, that fat kid that you were at school, it was bullied and all of that, that, you're fucking showing them. Do you want to know the only fight I was ever in? prior to this you want to know what the only fight i was ever in so <laughs> i was in uh high school and in 10th grade i was so ashamed of my body i wouldn't change out for gym class so i flunked it and then my senior year they're like you have to take that over you have to dress out if you would like to graduate and i definitely wanted to graduate and go to college so i had to take 10th grade pe in the 12th grade again mm -hmm. and they were kind of leaning on me like they understood everything right um, but I was still dressing out every day and I would go, got a little more confidence. I got my first girlfriend. I lost my virginity. I didn't really care what other people thought. I was starting to come into my own finally. And there's this one kid in 10th grade that just gave me shit every day. See, we would have won this softball match if you weren't so fat and slow. And I'm like, I, the problem is I'm just so tired. I spent the entire night having sex with your mom <laughs> and your dad joined in halfway through. I'd be like, hey, why are you so fat? I'm like, because every time I have sex with your mom and I give her an orgasm, she bakes me a pie. And look, I don't want to eat all that pie, but I do it because she's so depressed. She has you as a child oh, and wow. she hates you. Right, like I would just fire back as a comedian thinking I was like the, the, the bee's knees. Mm -hmm. So one day I show up at my car and him and his older brother, who's 18, is standing there. His older brother looks at me and he goes, look, here's what's going to happen. My, my brother's going to beat the shit out of you and you're going to let him. And if you hit him back, I'm going to hit you. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, I was probably getting the beating when I got home. I probably got one the day before. So I, what's the big deal? Um, he hit me till he was bored. He eventually broke my glasses. And I remember seeing my glasses, like, fly off my face and go into the yard and off the sidewalk. And I started crying then. And he's like, where are you crying? I'm like, because you broke my glasses, man. Like, those are, my mom's going to kill me. I'm actually going to get a beating when I get home. Like, and he blacked both of my eyes, and, and it, you know, it wasn't great. But I didn't throw a single punch back. I think that's one of the things that I'm excited to actually do tomorrow. I've never thought of myself as a guy that would hit another guy. I've never thought of, even if the guy signed up for it. I'm the guy when I've gone to bars a handful of my type, somebody is pissed off. They don't like the look of me. Hey, let me buy you a drink, man. Oh, let me buy you and your friends a drink. I talk my way out of it. If I can't talk my way out of it, I get the hell out of there, right? I'm not going to have a physical altercation with a person. I've been afraid to do it my whole life. 
tomorrow's the day. And uh, I, you know, what's fight? What, what do they say in Fight Club? What do you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Right. So let's let's see what kind of man I am. I'm excited to try it. You know what? You will learn a lot about yourself in that moment. And and the the thing about it is is I understand that. You know, people may say, oh, this is your fault. You gained the weight, yada, yada, yada. Fuck that, right? This, yeah. this is not about that right now. It will be harder for you than it would be for anybody else in there. And th and there's some there's something in that to be proud of. That, and that's what I'm talking about is like, if you can just keep trying no matter what until the bitter end, every single hater who's never had the balls to get in there and do what you're doing will secretly know inside of them, fair play. They and can't I, take that away from you. And I, I love that. But I, again, for me, the biggest thing is I've learned to try to tune those people out as best I can, which I'm pretty susceptible to it still um, based on just who I am as a person. But mm. I learned to tune that out as best I can. Whether you like me or love me, I, I'm not that interested as much as I, are you watching? I, I, I'm, I'm glad you're entertained, right? Um, I, if you love me, I love you back. And if you hate me, I just don't feel anything about you. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You just you, you do what you need to do. Um, but tomorrow, or as opposed to earning their respect, I just want to earn my own, man. I just want to say my biggest mistake was giving up on myself. My biggest mistake was giving up on my own body. My biggest mistake was saying, this is who I am. I, let's talk psychedelically again for a minute. And I can't not do it because it's now such a huge part of how my brain works, my belief structure. If my model of the universe is correct, I chose all of these challenges for myself. I said... At, at some point prior to this life, I said, I'm going to be born Stephen Williams. I'm going to be born at this time, at this place, to these parents with these experiences and these challenges. And I want to learn and overcome from experiencing these things. The same way when you put a video game in your game system and you, you roll up a character on Grand Theft Auto and you choose which uh, side quest you're going to do. I, I genuinely think that's how the universe works now. And I looked at these challenges and I said, nope. Nah, too much. I, I quit this game. I rage quit. Um, now that I know that it's a game, now that I know, and I don't mean I believe it's a game. I'm telling you, I know that this is a game that we are playing for but, the experience. Which psychedelic was it? That? I've done two now. I've done uh, the five grams of, of penis envy mushrooms, and then I did an unsafe amount of MDMA is probably the best way to put it. Mm. Um, which was, so, the way my shaman would put it, he said that the first experience was designed to open my mind chakra and the second experience was to open my heart chakra and the mdma was not a good experience it was a very bad experience i had to when they do this in in psychedelic therapy there's a great documentary on netflix for people who are interested in this stuff and think that might be right for them it's called how to change your mind okay um and it with the, with the mdma you completely lose your inhibitions, especially at the level that I was at. Mm -hmm. And those inhibitions were keeping me from being able to admit what a piece of shit I'd been. Mm. And out of all the things that I had to admit, oh, I hurt my audience by torpedoing my career. I, I hurt my ex-wife by not being good enough of a husband. Uh, I, I, you know, I hurt, I hurt myself. And that was the one that I really would never allow myself to think or feel, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had destroyed the mind and body that I was given to explore this universe with and to overcome these challenges with, I chose comfort over challenge. And what happens when you, when you choose comfort over pain early on, you still have to deal with the pain later. Mm -hmm. 
And I was in so much more pain because of it. My back, my knees, my wealth, my health, all of it was ruined because I chose the path of least resistance as a kid. I learned now, and hopefully for the next life and the life after that, I'll always know that I'm going to choose to do the, the work now, do the pain now, suffer it now, so that my life is better for it moving forward. And if anybody's ever listening, if you ever listened to anything I've ever said, do the work now so it can be better for you later. It's ironic as well because boxing is the hardest thing I think you can probably do in terms of a physical challenge. And it's a metaphor for life. Like in life, sometimes you're getting your ass kicked. You have to cover up and take it until it's time to give it back. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and, and for me, when I learned how to box, um, it's funny because I remember the first, I, we got it on camera actually, the, um, the I did a couple of uh, documentaries about learning the box called The Rebuild. And my first ever sparring session where I had no head guard um, and I was getting punched in the face for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mother passed away when I was younger and she was my source of like power, like my dig deep and think of, I won't give up because she didn't want me. She never would want me to give up. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah. And at the end, after I'd had my ass kicked for about six rounds and I got, you know, destroyed as you do, I just cried because I'd felt like... Uh, I'd connected with her in that moment again. Like I was using her so much that it was almost like yeah. in the room. Yeah. And you know, we all go to different places and it may surprise you what comes out of you after that fight. But what I do want for you is for you to use this as like the turning point and be like, whatever happens, you get your ass kicked, whatever. This is the new buggy, you know, like the, it's never too late to change and you're really making positive steps here. I mean, it's pretty clear that I have an addictive personality. Absolutely. Uh, whether it's the, the food or the video games or anything else, mm -hmm. right? And I became addicted to YouTube at one point. You're a very good addict. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you killed it on YouTube. Right, yeah. And like, let's be real. I, mean, I once said I put in like 70 hour work weeks. Yeah. And people are like, there's no way you of course. do that. And I'm like, no, of course I did. It's all I, I woke up, I breathed, ate, slept YouTube and went to bed. And, and then that's it. That was the entire day was YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I chose one day a week mm -hmm. to spend with my wife and one day a week to spend with my friends. But the rest of it, and even most of those days, we filmed something, we did something, we're in editing something. Uh, why, why, do people, why do these YouTube boxers, like, like Jake Paul and KSI, for example, why are they so good at boxing? Why do they, like, I'm not saying that they're like the, you know, world champion boxers, but they get good very quickly. Jake Paul got good very quickly. Because they're addicts, they yeah. they literally know full time dedication. Yeah. So you know you're you're you have that same YouTube mindset, and obviously you know the stage of life and the challenges that you have. I'm not expecting you to become Jake Paul, but the point is, is that dedication deserves respect, man. My friend, uh, everybody knows Dallas Page, right? Um, Diamond Dallas, Diamond Dallas Page. Page. So one time he said to me, he's like, Bug, I don't know if you'll ever be one of those people that lose weight like this guy. Where I was doing a reaction video to one of his weight loss inspiration videos, and. And I asked him, I'm like, man, what does it take to be like that? And he goes, because I don't know you'll ever be that kind of person because that kind of person, all he does, he wakes up in the morning, he works out, he goes to sleep. That's all he does. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a family. He's not running a business. You're doing all of those things on uh -huh. top of that. And I just thought, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could be that person, but I think it could now. I think especially as I'm, I'm boxing, there's definitely that adrenaline rush. There's a foot aspect of it. I started working out finally after COVID for the first time last year and got into the pool and I was having so much fun at the pool. Um, and I'd upload my workouts and people are like making fun of me like, oh, you're doing is bobbing in a pool. I'm like, dude, I can't stand up. Of course I'm bobbing in a pool. The only thing I can do is laps and shit. Um, but that was me getting back from COVID because at, at the end of 
COVID, when I finally got vaccinated, dude, I could barely walk. I didn't do anything for two years and blew up below YouTube and in live stream. I just sat in my house and played video games and waited to die. I was like, well, if I'm going to die any day, I'm going to spend this time, uh, you know, with my dogs, my friends and playing games and watching shows because that's what I want to do. Uh, turns out we didn't die from COVID and the world went on. But that said, it's been, I felt a little bit of that tickle. Um, and then with this boxing stuff, I put my bag right in front of my television. It's right there in the living room. Every time I walk by it, I'm like, ah, let's do two minutes. Let's do three minutes. Let's do four minutes. Mm -hmm. And it became a matter of habit. And after it became a matter of habit, I remember had my friends over on a Saturday night and I just wasn't thinking about it. We were all partying and having a good time. And I put on my gloves and started boxing my bag and my friends were annoyed by it. Cause like it's kind of obnoxious. I'm like, I didn't even think about it. I was just, I'm just doing the thing I do all the time now. Mm -hmm. That's great, Mark. And I think tomorrow's going to be a huge adrenaline hit. Mm -hmm. And positive or negative, I, I feel like I'm, I could easily be the kind of person that, that gets addicted to that adrenaline hit. Awesome. And, uh, and ironically, boxing, it's a computer game. You know, the, all of the uh, fundamentals that you use on a computer game of energy con uh, conserving, uh -huh. letting your energy build back up for the, in a boss battle, you know, knowing when to be within range, when to step out of range, yep. knowing how to cover up, all, all of, and then knowing when to let your attack go. A lot of that is like gaming. And actually, uh, one of the best YouTube boxing instructors, uh, Leon, would break it down just like that for a Nissan Gib. Yeah. Uh, but that's how he kind of taught him boxing using gaming strategy, I think. Um, in terms of your experience up till now, you said you've been hitting the face. Is that right? Yeah, we, we boxed a little bit, sparred yeah. a little bit. And, and obviously, I did not do very well. Obviously. I was fighting a skinny person. So to begin with, they had all the mobility in the world. Mm -hmm. I saw your prediction video. Mm. I tagged me. Somebody tagged me on Twitter. Mm. I refused to watch it because I knew I was coming here today. I wanted you to say it to my face. Yeah, I, I've predicted you to win. You know, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, for the reason being... When I watched your Draw My Life video, what you've been through in life, it's a lot harder than people ever give you credit for. I literally just watched it a day before I interviewed you. Oh, damn, man. And even thinking about it, it makes me emotional because there's so much sadness that you've been through in life. And I know what it's like to have had a life like that, where you're watching people you love struggle and all of that sort of thing. And I thought, if it's possible to win, you'll win you're going to be very hard to break. A lot of people have asked me, like, why do you keep referencing like the child abuse stuff? Mm. And it's because when you live your first 18 years life in a war zone, you don't forget that. It mm. becomes part of who you are. It affects, trauma affects your nerves. Trauma affects your brain. Trauma affects your muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's a bullshit thing to, to have gone through that and knowing how it affects me and the person I am to not tell that to a friend, to not tell that mm -hmm. to a partner, not tell that to my audience. I want them to know that this is what shaped me. Being more specific about it, you've been very open about your mother uh, was abusive to you when you were a child um, and your dad was a coal miner. He, Some of the toughest guys who ever existed. He lost all of his hearing in one ear, lost part of the hearing in the other. He shattered his right arm getting trapped under a boulder. He literally was an electrician and he did that work in waist deep water and got shocked all the time. And he kept going in there to provide for, uh, for his family. 
you know? A woman who hated him and beat him and called him every name in the book, and he still went to work every day. Men not dead like that these days. Oh, no. And my grandfather, the the, the mom, uh, the, the dad on my mom's side, exactly the same way. Daddy Carl was one of the roughest. Here's my favorite Daddy Carl stories, okay? So my mom and my dad uh, got married and moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, from Pound, Virginia. And um, they were there for a little while when mom got pregnant. And apparently my dad was originally physically abusive to her and at some point kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant while drunk one day. And so my mom packed up her shit and left and came back to pound. And uh, my grandfather, Daddy Carl, decided he was not going to raise that man's bastard son. So he got into his Cadillac with a shotgun and nothing else and drove to Cincinnati, Ohio knocked on that apartment door my dad answered it and he put that shotgun in the dad's my, my dad's face and says hey carl how you doing he goes well a lot better if you take that shotgun out of my face they're both named carl there's carl and dad <laughs> and he says, oh, doing all right carl if you take that shotgun out of my face because no i don't suspect it will say uh carl i got a question for you do you want to come back home and raise your son or do you want to die where you're standing and he goes i guess i'll come home with you and let me pack a few things because no, we got everything you need in pound. Get in the car. And they drove his ass home. Wow. Uh, that's Daddy Carl for you. And that's my that's my dad on top of that. My dad didn't flinch. He's just like, oh, hey, how, how are you? Let's just do the thing we got to do. So I, I do think, I don't know if I'm anywhere near as tough as either of those men, but I do think it's in my blood to some degree. Yeah. I, I'm telling you it is, by the way. But the thing I learned uh, during my first psychedelic trip is that the challenges are the fun part. Oh yeah. Okay. So like, I, can I get, can I just completely peel back the psychedelic Go for it? If this doesn't resonate with anybody, it's because you don't need this. Okay. If it sounds like bullshit to you, it's because it might be. Okay. So that said, here's what I think I experienced. Okay. Um, I took the shrooms and like in the first 30 minutes, it was like eating edibles, like AH, THC or whatever. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of a goofy time. <laughs> and then my, my shaman's like, can you see the fractals yet? And I realized I could. I can see like the fractals that make up the universe or whatever. And he's like, close your eyes. You'll start fractals. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, psychedelic patterns is the. Oh yeah. Is that right? the geometric shapes? Right. 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 And, but like, so literally that wall would be made up of this bottle would be made of it. You would be made up of it. Everything is made up of it. Mm -hmm. But the world is like overlaid on top of those for me. And so he's like, close your eyes. You'll still be able to see them. And here's where I knew some magic shit was happening. I closed my eyes and I had a cameraman and a, a, a director there for the documentary because they're filming this and i can't see them the moment i close my eyes they are out of view but i can still see the fractals that make up the world and i can see my shaman i can see my dog and i asked my shaman i'm like why, why can i still see you with my eyes closed because because i'm here with you buddy i'm rolling with you right now we're here together i'm like why can i see your dog he's like because they're always here they're dogs man and that didn't make any sense to me but he hit play on his fucking boom box and I, I think it was like butthole servers or something mm. and i died i left my body and i don't mean out-of-body experience floated above myself i mean i went back to where we come from whoa um and that apparently is different for everybody uh you have the very experiences that you have on this life and so it's going to tailor the experience to the character you are to help the transition i apparently needed not much of anything so i just got dumped into the ether i saw the energy that we are all made up of it looked like a dna strand of mine like it appeared gray from a distance but as i got closer to it i saw it was made out of like black and white energy and stuff and then i came back to my body and pissed myself but while this guy literally it's in the documentary i literally pissed myself um and that's how i know i was dead because i like i was dead enough to not control my own bowels uh but i so i come back 
And the knowledge that I brought with me is that, and this is so wild, I know how it sounds. I don't like to use the word crazy, but people think it's crazy. When I discovered the number one, you and I are the same person. I hope you know that, but also so is the universe and so is every animal we eat and all the air we breathe and the table that I'm touching right now and the ground we're sitting on, we're all that. And we're all, we're all each other. So every time I've hurt another person, I've hurt myself. And every time I help another person, I help myself. And that's a great guiding tool. And if you don't believe that, then apply it to humanity. Think, well, we're all humans, at least that, right? So I should help others and not hurt others. Simple. But that's one of the reasons we're here. And then I found out the entity that we all are is that we're, we're God, man. We are. I'm, not, I'm only laughing because I heard Dorian Yates uh, talk about this. Now, Dorian uh, is a world champion bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. So he isn't the guy who you put with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you juice heads. You'd think that they wouldn't have the... He did this whole experience. Now, Dorian's a very intelligent, scientific guy, to be fair, but he said exactly word for word what you're saying. He said, everything is one. And one is everything. Yeah. And we are all God. And basically, here's the coolest thing about nobody told me what to expect. I never read a book. I never talked to a person. Mashama didn't prepare me. Mm. Everybody that goes there, near death experience, meditation, psychedelics, or maybe you reach enlightenment just one day while you're doing dishes, because that happens to people. We always come back with the same message. I genuinely think it has to be true. You could say it's just the drug. But some people do it through meditation. Some people get there through from literally just waking up one day in light. And so I genuinely, but the, the other thing that I came back with, I don't know that everybody shares this, is that the negative aspects of life are just as joyous to the God we are as the positive. That's why children get cancer. That's why we go through hardships. That's why I have our heart broken. That's why the world sucks because it's a fucking game. We, the God that we are doesn't take it that serious. We take it seriously because we have a character to play. We take it serious because we erase all of our knowledge to become Boogie, to become Steve, Jeff, whoever the hell you are. You, that's the joy. And I think the more I've really thought on this, I think the God we are is bored out of his fucking mind. They are, they are eternal. And so they are experiencing, they, they created this and experienced it out of boredom. And, yeah. and I want to have, I think there's also growth to be done. I think there's also lessons to be learned. Um, I think there's empathy to be learned. And there's a great video by Kurzat on YouTube. I think that's how you pronounce it, called the egg theory. And I think it's very close to that in, in reality, which is to say a God experiencing this world over and over and over and learning how to be a God. I've heard that before. Of, uh, we are consciousness experiencing itself over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Did it make you look back and feel guilt or... Tremendously. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know guys who've had these trips <clears throat> who, for me, seem like the least likely guys to have an epiphany. Like, the least. Yeah. Right? And like, yeah. gym goers who are just like meatheads, like, and they're like, break down crying, telling me the story yeah. about how they realized all of the errors of their ways and how they wanted to apologize to everyone they ever hurt. And like, was it a bit like that for you or? With the MDMA, it was, for sure. Uh, the first trip was about knowledge and the second trip was again again about my heart and I, i'll tell you what i i don't know how authentic i sh even should be today but i've definitely hurt people i loved i definitely disappointed my ex-wife tremendously mm. um i don't want you to have to be a caretaker and i shouldn't have been obsessed with the job the way i was and i i hate that i broke her heart mm -hmm. and i look back at every 
relationship and every friendship I've ever had and the ones that ended, they, a lot of times they didn't end great. I definitely hurt my share of people. I remember the, the, I believe her name was Des. Is that yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you got with her and it was such a, like, uh, a cute love story that we were all sort of watching from the outside. Cause here was this, this unlikely hero who you were, as sure, you yeah. the guy got the girl and the girl was out of his league and it was a cute moment and she looked after you and everything looked great. And uh, yeah. it was, it was very sad when I heard that you guys were separating and obviously everything happens for a reason, but it does seem like you you've got a real heavy heart about the whole thing. I, I do, especially after psychedelics at the time, I think, I, I think my ego was in the way and I think I was very much about like, look, the one thing I'm good at doing is making money. So let me do that. Mm. Let me do the job. Let me do the work. Help me do the work. Right. Um, probably one of the most frustrating fights we ever had. She came into the living room one day and she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated because I have to be the, both the man and the woman of the household. Mm -hmm. And the response I had was horrific. I, the response I should have had, which was I understand and I understand your pain. Let me hug you. Let me feel you. Let me, let me help. Right. What I said instead is I let my ego get in the way and I'm like, look, you don't have to do any of those things. I make enough money to where if you want the house cleaned, we'll pay to get it clean. If you want the lawn done, we'll pay to get the lawn done. What are you mad about? What are you complaining? So you didn't, you didn't give her the time to listen and really go there with her. No, I got defensive and I, I, I took it as an ego stroke, an ego blow. And I'm like, you know what? And like, of course she, you know, I, we needed, I, we were never going to work long-term. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I think I knew that when we first got together, yeah. uh, I think some people you meet when you're supposed to meet them and they leave when there's, when you're supposed to leave. And I knew a year before we got divorced that this was not going to work. There's one thing I'm learning though, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I feel like in order for us to make good husbands or good wives, uh -huh. we kind of need taught how to do that. And I think part of the problem, like, you know, no one, no one becomes a boxer overnight. Like people just think you're supposed to know how to be a husband or a right. wife. Or, right. And I think that the defensive childish state of mind that you were in is extremely common in society nowadays because we're not really... Uh, given those guidelines that people had a hundred plus years ago, where it was like the man is this, the woman is this, clear defined roles. Right. And now, it, and especially in your condition and your job, and think about my model though. Also, yeah. like think about the household. Like, of course, up, right? like, even most. And so, like, I'm guessing at what is the correct thing. I'm trying to walk the balance between being a complete pushover, but also trying to stay my ground because it's not sexy to be a complete pushover. Of course. You're going to lose your woman every time that you let them walk all over you. So I'm trying to figure out where the correct boundaries are. And I was just not doing it correctly. Um, and so it was, it was a shit show. But I will say the one thing that I think I really learned to regret um, is, is having destroyed my own body. I think that is because I have to live with that mistake for the rest of my life. You know, I lose the weight. That's great. I'm still going to look like a, uh, an empty sack of potatoes, man. You got uh, the skin removed? Yeah. I, I, it's expensive for it's sure. It's fucking and, hard. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's, uh, that's a dangerous ass surgery. A lot of people who get the bariatric surgery lose the weight, get the skin removed, and they die from the recovery from that. And that shit happens. Um, uh, and then there's the back pain and the knee pain. I mean, my discs are fused man in the back l3 and l4 are fused together now that's that's they're never coming apart that's not how bone works is it not you know in this new positive frame of mind to just try and make the absolute best of life that's exactly it and so that is the because that's where i was, I was trying to lead 
um, I was filled with such tremendous regret. And I had no more excuses during that second trip. I, I, uh, my ego was gone. My defensiveness was gone. All I could do was accept what I had done wrong. And uh, I cried like a child. And then I got mad at myself and I had him record myself and I yelled at myself. I'm like, I know when you are no longer high, you're not going to be able to feel these feelings. Let me feel them for you. Let me tell you exactly the kind of piece of shit you are. And I told myself, you just, you've hurt a lot of people, but you've hurt yourself so tremendously. And by hurting yourself, you've hurt so many people. And my shaman is not even faced by this. He does this shit three, five times a day. Okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous in real clients. So this is just like, to him, this is just like another, this is like breakfast, you know? Uh, but we're ending the session and I'm, I'm coming down from rolling and, and, uh, you don't really trip on MDMA, but I think it's still the effect is leaving my body. And he's like, all right, what did we learn? And I'm like, that I've been a real piece of shit. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we all are though. That's okay. Um, he's like, but what are we going to do moving forward? And I'm like, dude, I have to help people. Don't I? And he goes, yeah, Steve, you're people, man. I'm like, what? He goes, if you want to help people, help yourself, dude start with you and he says the reason i've chosen you to work with is because you are in such a unique position that if you help yourself you will help millions mm -hmm. who've watched you who've grown up with you who've suffered like you if you get your shit together they will get their shit together that's why you're here so i don't want you worrying about anyone else but you it's time to be selfish and i'm like okay man and that was seven weeks ago, uh, eight weeks ago. And it's just before me and Keem finalized that this fight was going to happen. And then here we are. You are capable of influencing people and inspiring. You literally sent me a tweet in 2014 when I first did a video or something like that, maybe 2015 latest, just saying like, you are great. You can do this. You will succeed. Like those words from you in that one tweet, I remember specifically getting that tweet and being like, fuck me, the guy I've been watching for two years or whatever it was said that. About well, you are very good at this. You know that. And obviously but, your audience knows it well. But early on, yeah. but when you don't have the success, I didn't, I think I had like 10,000 subscribers. That meant everything. You understand right. what I mean? Yeah. That meant a lot. So you have that ability and that power to influence people and impact lives, especially because you are so famous for struggling with what you're struggling with. And the one thing I do want to say in regards to your challenges is he's right, this shaman guy. Everyone's fucked up. Everyone hurts people. Everyone makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Your mistakes are just more visible because you wear them. Yeah, and I, but I mean, I also chose to share it to the very, I overshared for sure. Good, yeah. and yeah. like, there's no shame in that either. Yeah. I, I don't see the point in hiding because the people who present as perfect are usually the biggest fucking horrible cunts. Oh, I can assure you. Yeah. I can definitely assure you. I, yeah. I've, I've known a few. Yeah, and unfortunately, those little mistakes as well that you get cancelled for or whatever, people do try and pin that on you, pigeonhole you, that's all you want. You know you're way more than that. Right. And I think that what I'm saying from you is like a different boogie and a much more positive place. Like, uh, yeah, I, I was in a very negative place after my bypass surgery and after my divorce. Um, I did not know who I was or what I was going to be outside of the marriage. Um, I definitely had lost access to my drug of choice, which was food. And uh, then I still had to do my drug of choice three times a day and I was supposed to do it responsibly. Fuck, that's hard. 
And then uh, that's what makes food addiction more scary than so anything for me. Is because it, if you say a heroin addict or, or an alcoholic, oh, but by the way, you have to have one like one glass of beer three times a day, but you're not allowed to get hammered. Right, it's very difficult. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then the internet turned against me, and it all it started kind of small, but I signal boosted it. But it started with like a little subreddit. And they're like, oh, I think Boogie's actually a piece of shit. I think Boogie's actually an abusive person. I actually think Boogie does this and Boogie does that. And like, I would like respond to that because it really bothered me. One of the things that really bothers me, I, I shouldn't put this on the internet, but I will because I overshare everything. People are like, why do you always talk? When somebody accuses you of being abusive, why do you talk about that? Because I ended the cycle, goddammit, and it was not easy, mm. okay? I chose to get the therapy. I chose to do the work. I chose to practice with my partners. I chose to be a fucking doormat in most of the relationships I was in out of fear that I would hurt another person with my feelings, my thoughts, my words, or God forbid, ever my fists, right? I never was going to do that to another person. I chose not to do it. I wasn't going to have kids, so I wouldn't fuck them up, okay? I made one of the biggest sacrifices somebody can make. You think I didn't want kids? I say that all the time. I didn't want kids. I fucking wanted kids more than anything, but I couldn't do it responsibly, so I had to pretend I didn't want them. And so I have a legacy, a 48-year legacy of ending the cycle. I have a, a, a eight, nine long-term relationships that lasted multi-years, and there was never an abusive word spoken in them. I've had women scream in my face and me not react because I'm out of fear of the type of reaction I would have. I am so fucking proud that I ended the cycle. And people, now the internet thinks I didn't. I and that I fucks me up. Oh, it fucks me up every day. That, that's why you take it personally. And the worry when you when you become someone like that is one day you do snap. That's a fearful thing. Because if you take so much shit from family, from spouses, from and you're constantly thinking, I just need to not react, not react. You know, people like that explode one day right. a lot of the time. And, you know, thank God you haven't. Well, I, so I recently got diagnosed with autism. And uh, also, as a child, was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder from the childhood. Mm -hmm. And... I will, I will have the occasional meltdown, but my meltdown does not, isn't very much not abusive. If I'm abusing anybody, it's me. I tend to do this autistic move, which is a very common thing, hit myself in the head to like self-regulate, mm -hmm. I'll self-harm. If you ever see me at like VidCon or a lot of things, I used to wear a rubber band around my wrist so I could self-harm that way as a way to self-regulate. And most of the time when a, a partner or a friend was like very upset with me, my autistic meltdowns often r resulted in, I'll, I'll, I'll act one out right now. I'm like, fucking get away from me. You just got to get the fuck away from me. Leave me the fuck alone. I cannot talk about this. I do not want to fucking talk about it. Get the fuck away from me. Mm -hmm. Right? That was my form of autistic meltdown. Mm -hmm. And that can in itself be abusive. Like, that's a shitty way to speak to anybody. I don't want to have spoke to anybody that way. But it sure be... Well, my parents did each other. Well, it's, you know, it's very normal. Uh, I am familiar with autism, and it is a very understandable and normal reaction. Right. Um, and I feel like at the end of the day, I, I always wanted to do better than that. But I've begun to understand that my, my worst was still pretty goddamn good, considering the circumstances, but also considering just your average person. Uh, I had somebody talk to me on, I saw this Steven Crowder clip that's going around. And it's where he's like going off on his wife, right? His eight month pregnant wife. Mm -hmm. And he's doing, in my opinion, my analysis of it is he's, 
he's setting up a no-win situation for her as a form of narcissistic abuse. He's, he's like, oh, well, she's like, well, I want to go do the thing. Well, you can't do the thing. Well, I'll go take the car then. You can't have the car. Well, then I'll get a ride with somebody else. Well, you can't do that either. Well, he's just making the problem unsolvable as a form of abuse. I've, I've, I've been in a situation with a woman before where she said those things to me. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> and, and that is certainly... You just feel like there's no right? way out, yeah. Uh, and so she does exactly what you do in that situation, which is, there's no pleasing you. I, I just, I'm just going to go sit down and shut down because that's what you fucking do. Uh, and I, I'm looking at this clip and I'm like, I've never spoken to a person like that. I've never done anything like that. I'm so fucking proud that I'm better as a person than Steven Crowder was in that moment. I, I, in that moment, I can't speak to Steven Crowder in every other moment. I don't know if he's like an abusive, shitty person. I, I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying in that one moment, I've never been that person. I've you know, never been that bad. I feel you on that because as internet personalities, people become very familiar with us and they, they identify the hours of content with that must be them all the time or that one mistake that they hone into. And me too, mate. I, I've been through um, a lot of fucking life, a lot of ups and downs, and I'm, I'm very proud of who I am, actually. Yeah. Despite the mistakes I've made, I look back and I think the amount of people I've helped in my life, the amount of... Uh, uh, friendship and money and everything I could possibly give anyone loyalty protection you name it and when people get this opinion of you and they just hold on to it as if they know for a fact and it's oh like, yeah if you'd actually watch my life take a walk in my shoes you'd be stunned I'm even alive let alone succeed well, well you gotta remember t to a lot of people on the other side of these cameras we ain't people okay we're ants in an ant farm with fish in a fish bowl we ain't people okay and secondly, some of them lack the critical thinking to think outside of the thing that they've heard or the thing that they immediately believed. Then there's cognitive dissonance. They don't want to disagree in their own head. Maybe I was wrong about that person. They don't even want to have that thought or that feeling. Or, and, or, or and they identify something you've said or done with people in their own life and they attribute your whole personality and it's to the so thing much, that triggers And it's them. so much scarier when they're projecting themselves oh. onto you. If they fucking hate oh. themselves and you share a trait with themselves, then they're going to hate you 10 times worse than they ever should because yeah. they're afraid to hate themselves, right? Um, I, I saw Wings is one of his, one of his, uh, um, detractors or whatever you call him got doxxed the other day. And he's like always calling for Wings how fat and disgusting Wings is. Dude's fatter than Wings. And, I, and I'm like, of course he's, you're just projecting. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I've had a lot of hatred and I'm, I'm sure that the things that they are saying, they themselves have issues with, you know, yeah, I, I, and I'm all for, Healthy criticism, all right? Like, hey, Boogie, you're fucking up your career. You are correct. Hey, Boogie, <laughs> you should definitely lose some weight. You are fucking correct. I, I haven't seen my dick in so long I can have it declared legally dead. I would like to I would like to lose my weight, yeah. Um, that's a true story, by the way. You know, I, In fact, I haven't seen my dick in so long. I literally could have it declared legally dead. But the other day, I was taking a pasture, and I, I was looked down at the toilet, and I heard a little clunk as I was pissing, and I'm like, did I just piss a kidney stone? Whoa. I look down in the toilet and floating is a tiny little bottle with a tiny little cork in it. And I take the cork out and I pull out a tiny little note. And you know what the note said? The note said, hey, I'm still out here. I miss you. <laughs> Sincerely, your dick. P.S. Please send pussy. So I know he's alive. You know, he's still, he's still doing something, right? You mentioned before yeah. about doxing and all of that. Yeah. I've got to bring up the moment where you became internet famous once again. A guy comes to your door, 
there's a fucking viral photo of you with a yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's it was like the, one of my favorite things ever on the internet. Like that picture of you just pointing this gun at this guy. Like it was just what the fuck. So I think a lot of people don't know the full story about that, mm. and maybe even you don't. Right? Not properly. No. Like so, one day I'm live streaming, and I don't even bother saying the guy's name. You can look it up if you want to. Um, but they they start saying his name and chatting like. This person's coming to harass you. He's coming to your house. He's going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, what? I don't even know who this person is. You got his YouTube channel deleted. I'm like, I what? I never heard of this person. What are you talking about? And so I find him on Twitter and I DM him. I'm like, hey, man, somebody says you're like coming to my house to harass me or whatever. Is that true? He's like, no, man, I'm just a comedian. It's okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Um, and then he starts getting weird. Like he's sending like photos of the Joker cause he thinks he's the Joker or something. And, and so I reach out to a few mutuals, Keemstar, Ethan Ralph, people like that. It gives you an idea who the mutuals are. Right. Mm. Um, and I'm like, what do you know about this guy? Like, oh, he's a comedian. He's just going to clown on you or whatever. And I'm like, cool. Ethan's like, come on my podcast. I'll squash the beef. And I'm like, every time I've ever been on Ethan's podcast, it turns out poorly, but I'm an idiot and I'm bored during COVID. So let's go. So I pop into the podcast and the guy at first is like doing all the usual clowning stuff. Oh, you're fat. Don't you pay for sex workers? Don't you do all this other shit? Yeah, I sugar. Get over it. That's fucking, that's how I recover from my marriage. I have no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, at some point in the thing, he's like, look, Boogie, I don't think you understand. I'm coming to your house. And when I do, I'm going to fuck you up. It's going to be the worst day of your life. It'll be worse than the day your parents fucking molested you. I'm going to ruin you. And I was like, cool. You come here, I'll fucking kill you. So six weeks later, he gets on a plane and flies in the middle of a pandemic from his home in Atlanta, Georgia, to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and starts taking photos from my neighborhood, tweeting them at me. I mean, you're telling you, fat F-A-G-G-O-T, what are you going to do about it? Dude's obsessed with, like, homosexual service for some reason. We'll get into that, but I'm so confused. And so again, I reach out to Keemstar. I'm like, this dude's in my town. You guys told me this was not going to be a thing. You guys told me he was a comedian. He's like, ah, I let him clown on you. It's not even that big of a deal. I'll put you on the show today. And this is after like two days of him being in the town tweeting shit at me. I haven't slept. We've been checking our doors and windows all night. Okay. I've called the cops. The cops have already visited. The cops told me if he shows up, kill him. If he tries to come in your house, kill him, shoot him. You have every right to protect yourself. I'm like, okay. So I've got that in my head. So I go on this podcast and I have a complete meltdown and I'm like, I can't wait till you come to my house. You've been in my town for two days. Why haven't you come here yet? I'm going to bury you. I'm going to watch you bleed out on my front lawn. Cause I'd had enough, man. Mm. And like I said earlier, I don't know where to draw the line. So I'm trying to figure out where to draw it. And that old Southern coal miners coming out of me. That's what daddy Carl would have said. That's what dad would have said. So that's what I'm saying in the situation. I know since my brother's dad similar situation. So my brother would have said, mm. so I'm going to act like they do. Cause that's the correct thing to do. And this award them away. It did not warn him away. So the next day he shows up at my front door and I literally have like an air conditioning guy there. I was not expecting, we thought he'd come in the night, like a thief. We didn't expect him to show up in the morning. And he starts filming in my front yard, I guess. Uh, but eventually he knocks on the door and it's like, answer the door, you fat F-A-G-G-O-T. The two things he liked to call me during that inter- altercation, he liked to call me homosexual slurs and he also called me the N-word. Now, here's the thing about calling me a homosexual slur. I could be a closeted homosexual. That is a thing I could be. I could wake up in the morning and suck a dick. I am not going to wake up in the morning and be black. 
Why the N-word? That still confuses me to this day. Who's he talking about? This guy is very confusing just overall. Right. So eventually I answered the door because I realized, oh boy, I'm glad the court case is over because I can't say this shit any other way. But I'm like, I, I'm like, I have to do something here. I have to stand up for myself here. This man's on my property. He's been harassing me for months. This is not okay. And I need to do something about it. And I know how the internet's going to take it. I know the internet's go, oh, it's fat boogie with a gun. Isn't that the pushover? Isn't that the pussy? Oh, I told you it was actually an abuse. I know in my mind, but I'm going on gut reaction. I have to stand up for myself. I have to finally fucking do it. So I answer the door with a gun. I put the gun in his face and I tell him to leave. I don't want to hurt you, but you got to go. And he does his bit. You know, if you're going to use that gun, you should put it right here and pull the fucking trigger, kill yourself and stuff like that. And I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, man, I don't want to have to kill anybody today, but I'm so glad to kill you. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Um, and eventually, I think he said that it wasn't a real gun, or at least that's what I remember. I've never watched the tape. Uh, he had a GoPro strapped to his head. And uh, I, I, he's like, you really going to kill me? And I'm like, oh, I'd rather I'll fire a warning shot first. Because then fire it now. So I took a step forward. I fired the warning shot, knowing full well what's west of my house, which is the woods, knowing that that bullet would land in the woods. Then no one was at risk. No one was going to get hurt. Um, and it worked. He uh, stopped laughing. He stopped clowning. He realized that he was in mortal danger. And then he said, go fuck yourself inward. And then turned around and walked away. I don't know. Arrested for that. Yes. Because there's a mugshot. Yeah. Yep. I, about a year later... The boy again, a DA in Arkansas. I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell the truth, and I hope it does. I hope it doesn't come back on me. Uh, but originally, they had no intention of charging me because I'm the victim in that situation. They know I'm the victim in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then six or five people got shot in Northwest Arkansas in like a six week period, and the they basically got told that both Benton County and Washington County had to look tough on gun crime. And I was a very high-profile case, so they were going to throw the book at me. And that's apparently what the DA told my lawyer. And that's what my lawyer told me. So they decided to make an example of me because it was uh, such a high-profile case and the Vice Media was going to cover it and all that. What, it, what does it feel like when <clears throat> you're, getting, you're getting booked in uh, by the cops? Yeah. And like, they recognized me as a YouTuber and they were really nice to me, actually. Was, oh, really? It was okay. not too bad. Yeah. But at the same time, look, you've been through a fuck ton. Yeah. You're now on this part of this journey where after everything, you're, you're, you're literally going to be taken down, charged, all of that. Like, what the hell is going through your mind at that point? I was Jerry Smith from Rick and Morty. Do you watch the show, Rick and Morty? You're familiar with Jerry uh, Smith? I think I've seen it a few times. Well, there's a, if you're not familiar with the character, um, he's intentionally pathetic. And at some point in the episode, uh, both Rick and a therapist tell him, you use it as a defense mechanism. You choose to be as pathetic as you could possibly be. And I realized I'm Jerry Smith. I was choosing to be the most pathetic, pushover, pussy of a person that I could be. I'm a victim. No one would want to victimize a victim, would they? I've already been through it. Why would you want to hurt me? I've already been hurt. Turns out 
the sociopaths, when they find out you're a victim, they realize they can victimize you, so that's what they do. Uh. It turns out that shitty people will be shitty to victims. They've already been victimized once. They're used to it. I can take advantage of this person. I can hurt this person. They'll deal with my shit. Sociopathic uh, partners look for doormat partners. Exactly. because They can walk all over and they'll put up with your bullshit. Absolutely. And so by wearing that on my sleeve, I thought it would protect me. It does not. It absolutely makes you a target with the wrong group of people. And that person that came to my front door saw that and chose to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the last I heard, you know, I'm out here boxing in London. Last I heard he was working at a gas station. I don't know if that's true or not. This I've got him blocked on everything. Um, but I, at least I survived it. I know when you Google that person's name, a photo of me comes up. How sad must that be? <laughs> I mean, I completely respected your actions. In that moment, I'm like, fuck yeah. I always wanted to say that, but my lawyer um, told me that I can't. But now I can tell you 100%, I stood up for myself. Yeah. No one should be on my fucking property. No one should be there to harass me. The dude who was talking about taking me in my house and fucking me in my ass. We don't talk, we don't talk to another person like that. I don't care if you think it's funny. I don't think you care if it's interesting. I don't think you care. I think I deserve it. I also deserve to stand up for myself to arm myself, to protect myself when somebody... I don't know if that guy's got a gun. You know, I don't know if that guy's an well, actual if, if you'd have shot him, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Oh, I would have probably not been arrested if I shot him. That's the interesting thing about the Arkansas laws at that particular time. Had I shot and killed him and to snatch that GoPro from his head, I wouldn't have been an ounce of trouble. It's the fact that I endangered a neighbor's life. Uh, That's what I got charged for. I got charged with aggravated assault, not against him. Fuck him. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I got I saw uh, aggravated assault because that bullet had to come down somewhere, and it's possible, though statistically unlikely based on the MythBusters, it would come down near where a person is, and if it hit a person, it might have hurt them. Mm. Statistically, point zero 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 one percent chance or something like that. But regardless, that's what they hit me with. Yeah. You mentioned the dating life and that sort of thing. Yeah. What, what's happening with that? Because, you know, as as a guy on the internet, you. Things have been all right for you. Boy, how into that do you really want to get? Because I'll go all the way. I want to go all the way, bro. I want, I want so, no stone in time because uh, uh, the thing is, is men, men are different, right? We're, we're able to get women we probably shouldn't be able to get. Yeah, Where yeah. income is higher, uh, sense of humor is better. It's not, we don't judge, this is the thing, we don't judge women the way women uh, judge us and, and vice versa. You right, know? Right. So, yeah. So, my first girlfriend came at me hard and fast, and I, I would never really could understand why. Mm -hmm. It turns out, in retrospect, she told me it's because I was the only person in Upper Bound who didn't treat her just like a sex object. Because mm -hmm. she was very well endowed in the in the upper chest area, <laughs> and uh, most guys were like grabbing on her, talking to her, shitty. And uh -huh. I was just like, hey, let's be friends. And she's like, wow, that's so hot. Uh, so she's the one I lost my virginity to, believe it or not. Oh, believe it. Uh, I was 15 when we met, 16 when we lost my virginity. And we dated off and on until I was 22, 23. And then we broke it off. I did seven years of playing World of Warcraft and never leaving my house. And she <laughs> did, she got married during that period of time and was married to that man until she passed away about five years ago. Uh, how was that for you? It was really hard. It was a really hard time. Um, we had stayed very, very close. And uh, I'll never forget our last conversation. Uh, she had breast cancer. And then 
the breast cancer got treated by chemo as well as a double mastectomy. Uh-huh. And that chemo led to brain cancer. Uh, sorry, led to lung cancer, which moved into her brain and killed her very quickly. Uh, so we thought she was out of the, the, the woodworks. And next thing you know, she's dying. And so I went to see her and her husband and hung out with them. And we said our goodbyes, knowing that she'd be dead within the uh, next couple of months. But I, she was having trouble even talking then. And I, I would still routinely call her and, and share stuff with her. And um, I talked to her about a week before she passed. And uh, uh, during the conversation, it was really hard to talk to her. She was not able to make a lot of sense. But she asked if I'd send her a care package. And I re- would routinely do that and just goofy stuff, sometimes video games and stuff like that. She's like, she said, what am I doing? Dying alone here? I haven't talked to you in a week. And I'm like, you got it, Andy, you know? Um, and then like we bullshitted about that stuff. And, and then I'm like, Hey, did I ever tell you um, how sorry I am for the shit we put each other through as kids? And she said, yeah, I think every time we've ever talked. <laughs> and she's like, did I ever say I was sorry too? And I'm like, no, I don't think you ever did. That's nice. Thanks, dude. It's nice to hear that. And she's like, I'm fucking dying, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And she was dead a week later. That Amazon package arrived about the day before she died. And I, we shoplifted a lot as kids because we didn't have anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was obsessed with these little rubber band balls called Koosh balls. And I sent her one uh, from Amazon just like as an old time thing. And she died while she was holding that. And uh, it's so final, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah, it fucks me up to this day, man. But, uh, you know, she ultimately had a pretty happy life, and she once said that we worked our crazy out on each other so we would be better for the people that were in our futures, and I'll always be grateful for that, you know, because I, I, we didn't hurt each other quite a bit. Uh, nothing like the internet seems to think as capable of me, but we, she cheated, and, and I didn't know how to handle it, and I wasn't good at controlling my autism or my meltdowns or anything like that, and I couldn't be a great boyfriend sometimes, and... The fact that you were still there for her all the way, bro, I think that's commendable. That's I, I, really lovely. I, there's very few women I've, I mean, I, I was texting my ex-wife last night before bed, and mm-hmm. we're sharing photos, and I, I mean, she, she'll be my friend for the rest of my life. I think once I've loved someone, I, I'm never going to stop loving you on some level. I might not romantically love you anymore. That's a different thing, but there's that familial love, and I think it's because I didn't have much of a family for myself, so... Once you come into my life and you've made an impact, you helped me build my business like my ex-wife did, or you helped me through my mental health issues like my first girlfriend did, or, or hell, we just had a really good time. Um, I'm going to owe you something for the rest of my life. And there's, there's not a woman I've ever dated who's afraid to call this phone except one. I think there's one. Uh, and if they call... Does you need a ride to the airport? You're gonna get it. You need a uh, near to listen. You're gonna get it. You need advice. You get it. Used to if I had money, <laughs> back for when I had a lot more money. You get money if you needed it. I just whatever you need, man. I'm here. I'm here to help because you helped me. I think that's such a healthy way to view it. Every relationship I've ever had is like uh, a jigsaw puzzle, right? You try to make the pieces fit, and some of them don't always fit. And mm-hmm. sometimes the piece is so important, you're like, this isn't gonna work. Uh-huh. Right? So we just got to go do different things. Mm-hmm. That's how it was with Max's wife, right? I, I married her when she was very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seven years later, we're, we're like, hey, we're both very different people. And I'm going through a new change with the bariatric surgery and everything else. So I'm going to be a very different person. Do we fit anymore? No, we do not. Mm-hmm. 
this is not how it was supposed to be. This is not what we signed up for. Let's go see if we can be happier. And as far as I can tell, I, I'm certainly happier and she seems happier. So I think everybody won at, at the end of the day. Um, and I think it's very mature to be able to look at her. My ex-wife said, she's like, I think it's time we separated. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I really don't want that. And she's like, yeah, but I think it's a good idea to do it now uh, while I still love you. I think that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah. I, that fucked me up at the time. I'm like, but if you still love me, that's what we should be fighting for, right? Like, that's the thing. She just want to resent you in the long run. Of yeah, the but that's what it was really going to come down to, is that uh, every relationship waxes and wanes, and we we were at a, 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 a waxing point. It was, it was a very full, loving relationship still, and here she was helping me with the surgery, but we knew we weren't working. And like, let's let's do this while we're still polite to each other. We can just sign one piece of paper and walk away instead of like dragging out in court and be miserable and hating each other. I definitely remember your video that you made announcing it. And I remember feeling like, okay, he seems together. He, he It doesn't seem like it's chaos right now. Yeah. Uh, there's like horrible bad blood. But, and, and credit to her for helping you through the surgery and not just abandoning you. Yeah, we had that conversation about a month before the surgery. Mm. Um, I'm, she's like, I, 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 we're not working anymore. And I'm like, I'm, I know. And, and she's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And I'm like, I think we probably separate after my surgery. Um, but I'm like, you, if you stick me through this, you get me through it. I can't do it without, you know, I can't, I can barely function without you now. Mm -hmm. So save my life. Like do me that favor. And she's like, of course I'm going to do that. Of course I'm going to do that. I read that. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And she did. Uh, and I mean, how would I not be there for that person forever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you go back and look at, at my YouTube career. How many bad things have I said about her? There's plenty of bad things I could say about everybody, mm -hmm. right? There's definitely bad things I could say about her. What have I said that was bad? What what juicy detail have I ever had about? No. And I'm never going to. I'll protect that woman till I'm dead. Mm -hmm. yeah. In terms of after her. You said that you went on a bit of a, a period where you were just having random, like these girls coming in and you were paying for girls. So here's the story. Uh -huh. uh, another YouTuber uh, and I that were friends, obviously will not talk about who it is. They're like, have you ever heard about this website called Seeking Arrangements? And I'm like, no, what is that? He goes, well, do you know what sugaring is? I'm like, never heard of it. He's like, okay, so do you like beautiful women? I'm like, yes. He's like, <laughs> do you like spending time with beautiful women? Yes. Do you have money? And I'm like, you're talking about escorting. He goes, no, it's very different from that. I'm like, well, talk to me about how it's different. And it's like, escorting, it's about the sex. You're there for the sex. So showbring is about an emotional connection, a friendship connection. Sometimes there's sex, but not in every re relationship. Because when I go to these things, I like to go to nice dinners. I like to go to nice shows. And I like to be there with a beautiful person. Sometimes I have sex with them. Sometimes I don't. It's up to them. And I'm like, shit, I like to go to the nice dinners. Uh -huh. I don't know. And I sure would like to look at a beautiful woman while I do it. Uh -huh. So I fucking logged into the website the next day. Um, and the very first girl I dated was Can like- you explain what the like what you were experiencing? Because I'm trying to get an idea of like, okay, Boogie logs in. Is there like a catalog of girls? How does There is. So it was really hot at the time. Like GQ and all these like magazines and like websites were talking about sugaring at the time. Mm. And so there's a lot of people that are signing up for it. And so there's literally just a, it's tender basically, but for sugaring and, and you read the profiles and they'll tell you what their expectations are. Some women are, you know, will put platonic and, and not no intimacy and they'll give the type of experiences they're looking for that what they want to do. I want to be your arm candy. I want to go to this place. I, take me to this dinner, take me to this show. 
Um, and you're like, cool, I'm going to that show anyway. I'm going to that dinner anyway. Would you like to go with me? Can I be your partner? Great. What, what, you know, you, Do they, they put you, their rates on and stuff like that? That's always because of like just the legality of it. Everybody wants to be very hush-hush and careful about that. You're yeah. not supposed to discuss that stuff. That's for when you meet up and start talking. Okay. Did they say what they're willing to do physically on their profile? Pretty, pretty regularly, yeah. Mm. And so you know who you're getting involved with. And my thought process was always, um, hey, sex is great, uh-huh. but I don't, I'm definitely not demisexual. Um, but I do think what I- What does can, that mean? Demisexual means you have to have a, a, an intelligent connection or, or an emotional connection with somebody to be able to find them attractive. I'm definitely not that. I can look at a beautiful woman and say, that woman is beautiful. You're a man. But whether or not I'm willing to get naked in front of that person is a whole other fucking story because I look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man has been left out in the sun, okay? <laughs> so before I'm going to inflict that on another human being, we better have a fucking connection. I read okay? that, yeah. And so uh, that, that was my process. I was like, man, I just want to go have nice dinners with beautiful women and it'll help me feel better. And it uh, turns out that a lot of these women I learned um, men in, men in your twenties, you fucking suck guys, especially in, in Arkansas. Uh, they're all about hookup culture. They're all about doing the least amount that they can. They don't want to spend any money. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do anything. They want to come over, put on Netflix, pretend to watch it while they fuck you and leave. And that's what every woman's story is on that website. However, however, now I, th- I find this interesting cause I'm really learning quite a lot about hookup culture and why is it becoming the thing? Right. And... I think it's a 50-50 thing as well because I feel like men will men will get away with what they can as well. There's a little bit of course, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like women are changing as well. So like women are becoming more manly um uh in a in a in their sexualization, you know, like in terms of the way they're behaving to Right, right, right. right. So uh, 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 men do suck, but women also are changing a lot. From the way they used to be. Right, yeah. Try to get away with that 50 years ago. Good luck. I would say another thing that was appealing to me about the sugaring was that I'm very traditional. Absolutely. I'm a 48-year-old man, and I'm not very conservative. I'm very liberal, but at the same time, I like taking care of someone who's taking care of me. My roommate, I take care of my roommate, my best friend of 28 years. We've lived together for 28 years, and I've taken care of him the whole time because he once took care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I take care of my friends. I take care of my dogs. I have my friends over twice a week or once a week sometimes, and I feed them. I spend hundreds of dollars to feed them and make sure there's drinks there because I value my friends. I like taking care of others. I like sharing what I have. I've given away millions of, of well, not millions of dollars, but thousands of dollars worth of, of gift cards and, and, and Xboxes and Playstations through my YouTube channel. And I didn't do it in global giveaways to gain subscribers. I did it because it's Christmas time. This guy's been following me for a while. He mods for me on Discord or whatever. Hey, here's just free shit. Yeah. Right? And on, do you ever feel like that's a, a gift and a curse? Because I am like that. And I have been incredibly giving in my life. And there's times where I look at the people I've given to and the lack of appreciation the lack or when i needed something and they weren't there like do you ever feel like they say a fool and his money are parted easily you know yeah, like, yeah. I, sometimes i feel like a fool when i look back at the things i've done for people dude the first time i made money was when i started my small internet business in 98 and i was doing web coding and stuff and i was rocking like 30 that was like forty five thousand dollars a year now 
Uh, but that was going from homelessness to that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I spent money on everyone but myself. I didn't buy new clothes. I didn't buy new games. I didn't do nothing. I paid for dinners for me and my fat ass friends and we went to buffets and wrecked them, okay? <laughs> and I took everybody to the movies because we liked the movies and I'd pay for everything and I pay for magic trips. I pay for hotel rooms, okay? And then I went broke and my business started failing and I'm like, where the hell are those people? And there's two or three. There's definitely there, my friend Phil, my friend Greg. Those guys are there, were definitely my friend Chad. Um, but the rest of them fell away. And I'm like, man, I'm a fucking idiot. If I ever start making money again, I will never do it again. And then I made money uh, and I did it again. And I'll tell you why I did it. Um, it's because the joy of giving. Yeah. Every once in a while, I say to myself, that person owes me something, but they don't owe me shit. Okay. You, you know what? And that, that definitely, I've learned that as I've gotten older. Like, I'm like, okay, don't let those cunts stop you from being the good version of you bingo yeah. and i often say um let's say you loan somebody 50 bucks and you never get that money back and they stop being your friend because of it all right okay here's the thing you want you spent 50 dollars to find out they were not the right person for you you spent 50 dollars to get rid of a piece of shit what a bargain that uh, person could have cost you thousands so in the long run so true man. right so true how much heartbreak how much fucking misery I wish there was more visible of a record of the, the amount of shit I gave away when I was making good money because there's all these people I thought like, you fucking deserve to be broke. And I'm like, I'm partially broke because I gave a shitload. Yeah. If I had a, if I still had what I gave away right now, I pay my mortgage off with it. That's how much I gave away. Same. Yeah. Same. But it's, it is what it is, you know. You know, going back to these girls, I'm just wondering, what, what uh, physically, was there a pattern or were you trying a bit of everything out? I, so... Was there a type? I'm going to be real fucking judgmental, but I, this is my preference, okay? We're all allowed them. If women are allowed them, bro. Right, exactly. Yeah. Men so I had always been shipped with the big girls, right? My ex-wife was not exactly skinny. Um, and so the one thing I was not seeking out was women who have weight issues. And I don't mean thick uh, that's fine hell i don't even mean chubby i'll date chubby but if you're big and you're you if you're losing your battle with your eating disorder we're probably not compatible anymore other than the fact uh, given the fact that we're both addicts to the same drug probably should not commingle <laughs> um but because i'd been shipped with so many uh i'd say about half the women that i've been in long-term relationships with had been plus-sized women i mean very plus um, I was like, oh, let me go for the skinny girl for a change. Let me see Why not? the skinnier, more petite girl. And there's something funny about the looks that I would get when I would be out with like a 25-year-old, five-foot-tall girl who like desperately needs a cheeseburger. And I'm feeding her that cheeseburger that night, right? And people are like, oh, is that his daughter? Can't be his daughter. She's skinny. Or whatever. And like, fuck, the people's reactions to that was the best. But I, I was mostly interested in vibing with somebody i was mostly interested in like hey do you like marvel shows let's watch marvel shows like you ever seen the, the you ever seen the boys let's go watch the boys like mm -hmm. like i was looking for somebody that had compatible interests um at least you needed to be able to fake it well enough uh and i think some women certainly were uh but I, how I, many of these girls how many of these girls do you think you took out just out of interest it's embarrassing <laughs> don't, don't be embarrassed uh, you, across every man who's watching this hasn't had an experience where they felt like they paid for a woman in some way. In in 2017, my body count was seven. My long term relationship count was seven. Uh, I'd never had a casual hookup. I'd never really, 
And my number of first dates, I could count on two hands, mm -hmm. right? That just didn't go well. Because by the time I have ask you out, we already know we're compatible. I'm never, I don't, I don't risk it. I don't like rejection, right? You're a mom. Right. So <laughs> um, I, I'm always going to be your friend first. And then when you let me know you're ready, then I'll into it. And I'm always so surprised. I get told I have golden retriever energy a lot because yeah. they're like, I'm like, dude, it's so much fun hanging out with you. And they're like, would you like to do more than that? I'm like, you want to do more than that? And they're like, yeah, we can have sex. I'm like, holy shit, sex? I love sex. You know? Um, I'm just like, so f I was just happy you were here, right? Yeah. So, um, men hate rejection. Like, and I was talking to some guys recently about this uh, on my live streams, and the boys were saying, like, how do I deal with rejection? I'm like, get used to it, bro. This is part of it. No, every man, yeah. I don't care how handsome you are. You're getting rejected. Yeah. Accept it. I, I let it go. One of the smartest things I ever did, um, I, a lot of people don't know this, but my first business, I did adult web design. I, that led to me like shooting photographs of beautiful women and selling that content to uh, pornographers, right? And so that put me in a lot of strip clubs. And I learned how to be very chill around strippers and naked women and just like, get building that confidence, right? Um, and great. I was obviously there to uh do business as well right so i was trying to stay as professional as possible right and that ultimately meant that i became friends with all shitload of sex workers um and i learned very quickly do you know what a sex worker wants to do more than anything they want to dress down in their shittiest ugliest pajamas they want to take their makeup off they want to put their hair up and they want to lay in bed with a big fat soft guy who's not going to try to fuck them and watch a tv show that's what every sex worker in the world who does <laughs> that's what they all want and occasionally one of the sex workers is be like, man, I'm really glad we did that. I'm going to fuck the shit out of you now. And that was pretty much my, my experiences with that. And that became my experiences with sugaring as well. Okay. I was a very just, Hey, I'm just so glad you're here. I'm just so glad I'm talking to a pretty girl today. Tell me about your life. Tell me your stories. Tell me your problems. How can I solve them? And that's, I, I genuinely take an interest in every other person I ever meet. I want to know everything you have to say. I want to learn from your experiences. Maybe you can learn from mine too, but I'm more interested in listening than talking. You said you're on uh, body count of seven after the after the marriage. Yeah, I don't know what my body count is anymore. Okay, so it was a you went out with a lot of these guys. I went I went hog wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a it was to the point that I I realized I had a problem because I have an addictive personality, okay. and I realized I'd spent uh, certainly six figures across five years. And uh, I had some great experiences, and that included travel expenses, that included Disneyland, that included all kinds of stuff. I wouldn't pay, I was paying to live the best life I'd ever fucking lived, dude, riding rides at Disneyland with beautiful fucking girls. Let's go, it's the best it. life. I love it. And it's everything oh, I ever I wanted to do. I love it, fuck right? everybody who's got a problem with it. And now, I think the biggest thing is, a lot of people would say, Oh, you were forcing women to have sex with you just so they could pay their rent. I'm like, nobody had to fuck me. No, nope. had to come. And a lot of the times, most of them, nobody was right. Oh, number one, if you think there's not a lot of sugar daddies out there, you're wrong. <laughs> there's like a thousand in my small town. They're ready to go. Those women picked me. Check this out, right? All of these Instagram, and I'm going to use this, models yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> who are in Dubai and there's never anyone else in the photographs. Oh, you think the photographs being taken by her girlfriend when she's in that <laughs> when she's in that swimming pool yeah and it's a five-star hotel bro sugaring is becoming it's the gift that keeps on giving for these girls because yeah. without it they'd all be working in fucking phone shops and fucking supermarkets right so if people are wondering where the money's coming from when these girls never post a brand deal 
this is the unspoken truth of the internet right now. I agree. And you yeah. were just one of those guys who was open to admitting it. Uh, I, I remember seeing a picture of you, some little goth chick. You, by the way, never a sexual partner. Oh, really? We never dated. Yeah. We never had sex. We so. just hung out. Okay. And I did spend some money on her for sure, yeah. And I, she was pretty ashamed of that at the time. Uh, but she was going through some shit, and I helped her with her shit. Yeah. Um, not fair. That's one of my favorite things, looking back on all of that shit. If a girl made it in my video, we pro if a girl made it in my, my YouTube channel, um, or like my social media, it probably meant we never were a thing. And I was putting them out there to obfuscate who the people I was actually hanging out with. But if, the people I'm actually hanging out with, you'll never know anymore. Because my ex-wife got put through hell. A dude took photos of her car parked in front of her workplace once and sent her that to scare us, dude. Like, I, I will never tell another... No, you will never know who I'm actually fucking dating. If I get married, I'll do it in another fucking country so you can't fucking find it, okay? You'll never know. Because why why should a woman be hurt just from having the choice of being in my life? So the women that made it into YouTube videos and stuff, um, they all agree. Like, hey, we're not going to have a, a romantic relationship. Let's have a professional one. Mm. Let's do videos together. Let's make videos and stuff together. What, was there a highlight throughout that wild time where you were like, if they could see me now. The Disneyland trip was pretty great. I never showed the girl. I showed videos, but she filmed. Like, there's somebody who's behind that camera. You guys asked to ask your question. Who was that behind that camera? Yeah. And they never did. I was all surprised by that. But You know when you're uh, you're getting down to business with these chicks and that? Like, what's the crap with your weight and stuff like that? Okay, that, so... Make it hard? All right, let's get really into it, okay? Uh -huh. So chances are, if you and I were having sex, we've known each other for quite some time at this point. Uh -huh. We've been snapping all the time. We've been texting all the time. We've had several dates. We've probably cuddled in bed a few times. And now you've decided, for whatever reason, you would like to see Boogie naked, okay? <laughs> I love the So I'm going to prepare you for that by uh, explaining what you're in charge for. I'm going to tell you what a fupa is and where my loose skin is and the fact that I have tits bigger than three women combined and we're and how sex is going to have to work and make sure that you're fully informed and, and for when I've never had a no after that uh -huh. I've never had a no everybody's been okay with it and then uh, women are like men though I feel like women are really understanding if anything they're probably more worried about them you know like in terms of their own bodies half the time like to me like, because I'm not necessarily that proud of the way I look with my shirt off and all the rest of it. Like, I don't think, I'm, I don't know if that's a manly thing, but I don't look at myself and think, hey, I'm this, you know what I mean? Dude, I would murder my dog to have your body. When you talk, I mean, respect it. We all feel how we feel, but good <laughs> Lord, man. No, I, I, dude, I look like somebody lit air out of a Macy's fucking balloon, okay? It's a bad time. Well, what, what I mean is, is like, for me as a man, we're not supposed to be the pretty thing. I feel like the the pressure is more on the woman to be the person so. thing. I don't even think about, you know, like I don't think of myself in that way. So like I'm, um, I don't know, I'm rambling here, but but in terms of the woman, I I I'm not surprised that they never gave any issue. I think what I've learned about women, especially because I mostly dated women in their twenties, a couple in their thirties. And I, I've often said it's because we have more common interests because of social media and gaming and, and the movies we watch and stuff like that. But if I'm just being genuine and I like being more genuine now that I post uh, 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 psychedelics, I just find women in their 20s to be more attractive. I think a lot of men do 
and I have no problem. Every man, every, every man does. Yeah. By the way, every like, right. and this is the thing that you know, it, it's the double standards, right? It's when women have uh, a choice of I want a man to be over six foot, I want him to be, you know, have big, big shoulders, I want him to earn over X amount of money. It's a preference. Yeah. But yeah, when, yeah. but when we want, I want big tits, big ass, and you know, a, a reasonably small waist. We're horrible beauty standards that we're putting on them, and it's so unfair. And it's like there's no, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a beautiful woman I, i'll be honest with you i when it comes to my preferences short or tall black or white uh i do think i prefer uh women with some ethnic backgrounds i definitely have an uh, inclination for redheads but none of that's going to keep me from dating anybody uh-huh. right like i don't care if you're a good person and you're fun to talk to and fun to be around and you have a loving caring nature uh we're we're gonna be fine mm-hmm. um and i think that's i think that's the thing i learned about women during my sugaring phase like obviously some of them are they're just there for a paycheck and i could tell pretty quick and like we're not going to go very far right because like you're, you're a good reader of people yeah I, I, i'd like to think so and i think you kind of have to be when you grow up in an abusive home um so you you learn to pick up on it pretty quick and hey if you're here for the paycheck you're still going to get the paycheck you can go home now but we're not you're not you're not going to get a second paycheck okay and that's okay um it, then there's just some people you don't vibe with Right, and that's okay. You, you can move. On. That's like any. That's like dating. Generally. Right, exactly. It's what it is. It's 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 dating, but taking out one of the more complicated steps in a lot of ways. Right. Um, but then, I think what I learned during all of that time is that, regardless of what you look like, if you can treat a woman with the respect, if you're meeting the needs that they are not getting met, and a lot of these younger men who are attractive do not meet those needs. And doesn't matter if it's financial, emotional, respect. And I brought all of that to the table. I respect your choice to sugar. I respect your choice to live the life you're having. Tell me your stories. Let me learn from you. How can I help you? What do you like to do? What's fun for you? Let me provide those things for you. Is your rent paid? Is your child taken care of and well-fed? Oh, cool. If not, I can help with that. Let me help. Apparently that's sexy. Uh, apparently, even if you look like a the oldest form of, of clay face, you know, <laughs> but it's, it, it's as old as time itself, isn't it? That a man who is a provider, women are naturally going to gravitate towards that. And even when I was broke, I mean, I did fine. And I think it's because I always try to be the person that someone else needs, but also be the person that I always needed. Right. Like this, if I was that person, this is the person I would need. So I'm going to be that person for them, right? You need a listener? Oh, I'm a good listener. You need somebody who can provide? I'll provide. If you need somebody who doesn't treat you like a sexual object, I don't need to treat you like that. I want to treat you like a person. Let's be people together. I know how you feel, though, because I went to a strip club once. Yeah. Uh, well, I went, I went through a period where I was going to, after my mother died, I was going to uh, strip clubs uh, just to take my mind off of it and looking at big tits to help with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... I'd just talk to these girls and I'd say, yeah, I'm a bit down, my mom died, yada, 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 I'm getting fucking wasted. But they were nice, you know, and they, they actually like, um, you'd have these little chats with them and you'd be like, there's a person, yeah, there's, there's a person with a story. And I get how you could remove the uh, the situation that you were in and forget all about that and just treat them as a people. The last time I was in a strip club, I went with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to go. I, I'm I'm over them. I, I spent so much time in the 20s, right? Like, yeah. And the magic's gone. Uh, and but we got there, and they just didn't know what to do or how to do it, right? So they're like sitting in in our little booth, on our little couch, and like one of my friends is like, "Oh, that girl's really attractive." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Oh, you like her?" 
And I walked up to her and I'm like, hey, my friend thinks you're attractive. He's got money. And so she walked over and sat in his lap. And he's like, oh, my God, you're so good at this. I'm like, it's like ordering a cheeseburger, man. That's yeah. what we're here. That's what they're for. That's what we're here yeah. for. Right. And then, like, I, I found the house mom. Didn't realize I was talking to the house mom immediately. Uh, but I figured out who the house mom was after talking to her for a few minutes. And I, like, started putting out, like, made sure she got tipped very well because it's a very good strip club guy. I could find out who the house mom is, make sure she's taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then the girls will be all over you for the rest of the night because she's going to put in a good word for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's a very respectful guy. He's got money. Um, and so for the rest of that night, uh, they thought I was this fucking strip club celebrity. I haven't been in one in 15 years. You have to be careful in strip clubs, though. They can take the piss a little bit. I noticed that. They'd be running a bill up on you without you even realizing. Oh, they will. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll be very careful with the drinks and oh, yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then definitely be careful with the upsell in the champagne room. Oh, they, they will tell you that there's no sex in the champagne room. They are lying. Yeah. There is so much sex in the champagne room. If you are not having sex in the champagne room, it's probably because you look broke. Okay. Yeah. I had a moment when I first got the old YouTube money coming in, and I had a, I had three women dancing for me at the same time. I had a but they they literally it was like but i wanted a bit of different everything so i had like a redhead a blonde and a black girl mm-hmm. something like that and they all pushed their butts together and we're all dancing at the same time and i'm just sitting there like i'm hammered i'm like fucking hell this is cool <laughs> right they're like you become 14 in your head like immediately right and then this guy walks in the strip club and he goes Oh fuck! It's too short. <laughs> no, oh shit! I didn't really think this uh, one through, right? And uh, I was like, "Can you just not say anything?" Yeah, when I was when I was helping out that girl, uh, she had me coming to the club every once in a while. I met her offline, on seeking, um, but she turned out to be a stripper. She's like, "Yeah, there's a guy harassing me at the club. Would you come to the club?" I'm like, "Sure." I sat and watched her for a while. She never let me spend money on her at the club, but she encouraged me to spend money on everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I did get recognized a couple of times. And not just like, oh, that's Boogie from Fayetteville, but Boogie the YouTuber. And one guy was really slick about it. He's like, leans over and he goes, you're Boogie. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man. And he goes, these girls are fucking hot. And I'm like, well, couple them. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's it. But thank God it didn't like blow up. But I'm so open about that kind of thing anyway. Yeah. Do you want to hear? I'm volunteering this. I, I've, do you want to hear my, when I realized I had a problem with this, the sugaring oh, thing? Oh, go for it. So I'm in Dallas, Texas. And I'm matching with girls, and I match with these two girls who claim to be sisters. And they are beautiful, and they definitely look like sisters. Dark haired, ruby lips, black eyes, just piercing black eyes. Look at these girls. Are and I am not interested with my background, especially, I am not interested in the incest shit, but whatever, it's a bucket list item, I guess. And so I'll at least talk to the girls, right? And they were very forward. Uh, so I'm like talking to them and I'm like, are you guys really sisters? And they're like, well, why don't we come to the bar at your hotel? We'll show you. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's what we're doing now. So we go downstairs and they're drinking and I'm having like Mountain Dew and fucking chicken wings because I'm fat. And, uh, and like, I'm like, are you guys really sisters? And like, so it's kind of a bit that we do. We're actually half sisters. So, but it's technically true. And I'm like, bullshit. They provided their IDs, Canadian IDs. They provided their IDs and they have the same last name and they definitely look like sisters and they're born like eight months apart. And the story is their dad cheated on their mom and that's and they found each other later in life and now they're doing this. And I'm like, and you guys like have sex with each other? And she's like, well, if we go to your room, you could watch and find out. And I'm like, yeah, man, I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> I guess. I guess. 
fuck. So we're in the room and sure enough, they're like going down on each other. And I'm not even like the turned on, but I've paid for this now. So let's get everything out of it, you know? And, and so the oldest girl does all the talking. She's on top of me and she looks down at me. And she goes, I know who you are. Whoa. And I'm like, what? Are we going to have a problem? Because I had been blackmailed by the very first girl I'm out seeking. She literally blackmailed me. Oh. And so I'm like, are we going to have a problem here? And she's like, no, 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 nothing like that. I, I'm a fan. And I'm like, can we not talk about this while I'm inside you? That would be great. And so we wrap up and everybody's getting clean and taking a shower. And, uh, you know, the, the, the dirty part of the money exchanging hands is, is now taking place or whatever. And I'm like, what did you mean you're a fan? Because that is a big rule for me. I've never dated a fan because they think they know you better than they do. If I've talked to a fan, I'm going to talk to you for months and months and months before we even have dinner. Because you need to know who the real me is, not your pictured version of me. Okay. You got to get to know me, okay. right? Yeah. So I'm very careful about that. That said, um, she's like, yeah, yeah, uh, me and my sister collect YouTubers. <laughs> and I said, you fucking What? She goes, yeah, yeah, we've had sex with a lot of YouTubers. That's why we matched with you. Oh. You're not normally our type. And I'm like, oh, you mean because of the way I look? She goes, well, financially. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, they're probably punching above you. Right. So they uh, were um, Canadian escorts where I guess it's legal with the, the part of Canada they're in. They're using seeking to pay their way across their trip through the United States to collect YouTubers. Did they name drop any YouTubers? Yes. So I said, what other YouTubers have you met? And she said... I was in a Logan Paul video. And I said, the fuck you were. There's no way. Oh, motherfucker. She says, yeah, I played Mario Kart with Logan Paul for oh. pink slips. Oh. He won, but he let us keep our car. Logan, I'm sorry, bro, but you're an Eskimo, brother. That's what I said to her. I said, wait a second. Did you fuck Logan Paul? Oh. And she said, no, of course not. The same way I didn't just fuck Boogie2988, and then she packed her shit and left. No way. Lauren yeah. Paul is an Eskimo brother. That's what I knew I hit rock bottom. That's what I knew. <laughs> if I'm making the same life choices that lead me oh to having sex with the same Quebec prostitute as Logan fucking Paul, I, I don't know if it's true, Logan. I don't know if it's true. But if it's fucking true, God help us, man. I'm so sorry. Logan's got some high numbers. Let's be oh, honest. I am sure. I'm sure. But like, Ugh. dude, I, a 48-year-old man should not be banging the same prostitute as Logan Paul. Hey, but sisters, though. I didn't. I didn't want it. I didn't. Well, that was the worst part about it. It wasn't even the Logan. What was Paul the other thing. one doing while she was on top of you? The stuff. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. You got the balls. I got the dick. <laughs> Uh, so then I, I got home and that was circa end of 2019 and I'm like, wow, well, I have a problem. I have to quit. So I deleted that shit and I got off the website and then every once in a while I'd like relapse and I'd be like, oh, I got to fucking, I got to meet somebody. I got to talk to somebody. And then like during COVID, especially I was afraid to meet anybody because you don't know where people have been. Like, I don't want to get fucking killed. And then this is, the, this breaks my heart. This is one of my least favorite stories about the internet, but I met a girl, um, and it, I, I, I tried to hide her honor at the time, but we did meet on the seeking and, uh, we like hit it off and actually hit it off like a hundred percent to the point that at one point she's like, I have no, no man has ever met my son. I would like you to meet my son and no man has since I've been divorced five, five years ago. Great. 
And me and her son hit it off. Uh, turns out I didn't know I was autistic at the time, but he's autistic and we liked the same shit. We had the same shit. <laughs> That's so And like, we like chill and shit and just like fucking watch Siren Head videos on YouTube and just have the best time doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was taking care of her and hers. I paid for her son's education. How old was his son? Uh, he was eight at the time. I guess okay. he'd be about 10 now. And um, he was having, they hadn't, they were paying for like the worst fucking online school that they could afford mm-hmm. um but he was not performing uh because of autism and the he's pretty severely autistic mm-hmm. and so i was like well how much would it cost to do like a specialized school online course it's like three grand per semester and i'm like well i obviously have that please let me do that right like mm-hmm. let's get him a good education i like the kid he's a good guy mm-hmm. um and so i ended up doing that for her and then I love that, by the way. Well done, man. Well, thank you, man. Uh, you know, I certainly, I, I always have to say, I obviously got my end out of it as well. I had a beautiful woman who's blowing me up every day, so I was so happy to to be taken care of too. Um, but that said, the internet found her. Uh, I took a photo of her hand, and she was holding a, a a rose gold iPhone, and she had a tattoo on her finger. And by that, they found her pro- profile on Seeking, even though she hadn't logged into it for a year. And even though she was not in the same fucking town, they had to go two counties over to find her because that's where she was listed as being. And they started harassing the shit or they emailed her and they're like, they were, somebody sent her an, a, a message on Instagram. Uh, we're going to tr- call child services because you are bringing that child around a known pedophile, which is obviously not a thing, but this has happened a lot of times. Child services get called for no good reason on YouTubers all the time. Mm, it's like uh, being uh, when they sent the SWAT team around, I suppose. Uh. So uh, that was like right before Christmas of that year. And I immediately made the decision to break it off with her because I didn't want to put the family through that. And I was worried about our family situation uh, as well. Like I didn't know if child services was going to find anything, but... I didn't think they would, but like, you never know what if her child got separated from her for some bullshit fucking reason. I, we certainly didn't have good experience with child services when I was coming up. Right. Mm. Um, and so I got her through Christmas. I made sure her and her son had an awesome fucking Christmas and then New Year's Eve we broke it off. Mm. And that, that one fucked me up. That was so bad. I, do you think there was other reasons behind breaking it off though? There Maybe probably, like subconsciously. Or? There probably was. Yeah. There is the, I, 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 it was, it was a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, and also we had did some distance between us too. So we didn't get to hang out like every day. And that's more of my preference. And I think we were also getting to the point that maybe we were going to move in together. And I didn't know if I was ready for that since I'd not lived with any woman since my divorce. And honestly, I hadn't really planned to, I didn't think I was ever going to live with a woman ever again. Um, so there's probably other factors. It's a big but, thing, isn't it? When you've gone from marriage, divorce to then, okay, we're starting again. It, you know, it's only natural to get cold feet. Yeah, I've been talking to somebody for about six, seven months now. And I think I think it's probably going to be my last rodeo. I think this. I hope this is the one. Uh, I hope she's listening too. By the way, I probably send this. But that said, um, the internet will never know anything about her ever, ever, ever. I wouldn't even put a fucking bill in her name. She moves in, you'll never fucking know she lives. She won't even get mail there. You'll never fucking know she exists. Isn't it sad that it needs to be? I hate that that's that way, but yeah. that's how it's been for every person I've ever loved. Um, she says, we can blog together. She's like, I'd love to be in your videos and stuff like that. I'm like, you don't know what you're asking, but maybe we will. Maybe she'll prove me wrong. Maybe we'll do it. Why is it like you have this this 
issue with these people because it all I remember you doing like these videos about there's this group on Reddit who hate me and yeah, talk yeah. me. And I was I mean, I have no idea about like I pretty much shield myself from my my own haters, let alone uh other people's haters. Like I don't get involved. I'm just like I'm making YouTube videos, I don't give a fuck about like if people want to hate them, hate them, whatever. I'm just gonna be me, right? But yeah. but you really seem to talk a lot about this group of people who have a problem with you. What do you think this what stems that? So there's a lot of different reasons. Number one, I do think I've attracted uh, a special group of crazy people. Um I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe they hate fat people. Maybe they hate the choices I've made. Maybe they hate that I've been successful. Maybe they hate that I'm a, I had a victim complex, whatever it is. Um, but they are obsessed to a, a bizarre level. There's this one guy on Twitter who I've blocked at least a thousand times over the last eight years. And he always has a very similar name and always says similar stuff in a similar way. So I always know it's him. Mm. Like, I'll block you again today. And then he makes, th I've gone through five accounts in one day with that guy. And it's fascinating that that guy has that life. That's, you know, I've, I've got a little theory on this. I don't know if you'll agree, but I remember when I was on the come up, uh, the place I was from, um, at the, I moved to London from a place called Newcastle, north of, in the north of England, just before you get to Scotland. And there was like, a, a, you know, a handful of particularly nasty, you know, like where they're really nasty towards. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Particularly go out of their way. And, and I, I remember thinking, like, is it because you look at me and think, why isn't that me? Like, you're from where I'm from. Like, they identify with you. To, and like kind of what you were saying earlier about how they kind of see themselves in you. And it, it, But I, I feel like that maybe there's a little bit of, like, that should be me. He doesn't deserve that. Like, he has nothing. Oh, I've heard people say exactly those words. Yeah, and, and yeah. when they have this, like, energy towards you of, like, you've got this life, I've got this life, that ain't fair. I'm from the same place as you. I could say what you say. I could be who you are. Like, do you know? And I, I always thought, like, it, it's the opposite for me. Because when I see people from my hometown grow and do well, yeah. I love that. I, uh, exactly. I'm on there, like, I'm telling everyone, like, who listened to a friend of mine who is a singer from Newcastle, all, all of that. And when I watched you grow and become this person, I loved that. I was like, oh, this is the unlikely hero. This is amazing. But for other people, I realized that they don't get inspired by that. It does the opposite. It shines a light on what they're not doing. Right. It's like... He's doing all of this. He's achieved all of this despite his weight issues and his upbringing and everything else. He still found a way to win. Yeah. What's my excuse? And maybe that's the, the, the actual problem there for them because they can't. And so when I say, I do think that's a good chunk of that. There's other people out there and we could talk about that as well. But the people that feel that way, um, they, I always say to them, then just do it. Just do it. If I can do it on my bedroom, you can do it on your bedroom. TikTok's a thing. Get on TikTok right now. Start making TikTok videos right now. Like, why are you? Oh, 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 maybe you're not good at social media. Maybe you're good at something else. Be good at that thing. Do the thing that you're good at. Spend less time worrying about what other people are fucking doing and worry about what you're doing, right? It's unhealthy to be obsessed with some fat fuck you've never met from Arkansas. How? Why? Why? This should, why do you think about me at all? I don't like Jake and Logan Ball very much. I've made that pretty abundantly clear over the years, okay? Um, do you know how much time I spend, other than making this example with them, do you know how much time I spend thinking about Jake and Logan Paul? Zero. I don't tweet about them, I don't think about them, I don't watch the videos, I don't look at them, I don't want to hear about them, I don't care about them, fuck them. They're not even on my radar, okay? Because they're just not people I enjoy the company of. I'll shake their hand if I made them, I'll say hi, I'll be perfectly polite, but that's about it. That's the, the, the limit of it. There's other YouTubers out there that I just fucking, 
openly hate the content they're making. I think they're putting bad shit in the world. I'm not going to spend my time thinking about it. I'm going to think about me. I'm going to think about my life. I'm going to think about my family. I'm going to think about my friends. Do that. Most cancellations, they're not really angry at what you've done or said. They're using it as an excuse. Absolutely. As a stick to beat you with. Absolutely. Because they don't like you. And which as, is why. As somebody who's been canceled like eight times, right? Let's use Louis C.K. as an interesting example, okay? Because at the end of the day, what Louis C.K. did was wrong. Can you explain it for those who don't? So for those who don't know, there's a comedian by the name of Louis C.K. who has a very unique kink of liking to masturbate in front of willing participants. And so he would use his position of privilege, like writing on uh, the Chris Rock show, for example, and then asking dancers on that show, hey, would you like to go back to my room to jerk off, knowing that he's their boss? And then they would be like, I guess I kind of have to, so I will, I don't know. And that's wrong to do, right? And Louis will agree that that's wrong to do, right? Probably should have asked people that worked under me to jerk off in front of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I have no problem. You want to jerk off for somebody that's your kink, go nuts. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and we ain't here to kink shame. That's what gets you off. Just be careful about who you ask, all right? Um, because sometimes people feel pressured into doing shit and you shouldn't pressure people into doing shit they don't want to do. That said, he went back to making comedy and is selling the shit out of his specials. And he can't get anybody to sell them for him. He's got no publishers. He's not on your Netflix. Sells them right through his own website. And he teaches the very interesting lesson of they can't cancel you unless you let them. That's it. He keeps providing value. He keeps creating comedy. People who find that valuable continue to purchase it, and his life continues, right? And I like, you know, like his jokes about it have been kind of funny, uh, you know. I, Dave Chappelle is another comedian that God knows they tried to cancel him because of wrong thinking. I'll be honest with you, I openly disagree with Dave Chappelle. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way he thinks. I do not think the way he thinks. Still think it's funny and interesting to listen to him say it. So I continue to watch his specials. I probably always will. Because because the reality is, sometimes we say things we don't really mean to make people laugh because it sounds funny. Oh, yeah, that was me as a nutshell for the majority of my life. Same, same. Oh, good and, Lord. And I've been cancelled multiple times for this. And and it's it's one of those things where they, they go, oh, he really meant that, though. And right. it's like, no, I fucking didn't. You know, if, I didn't. If I we all get, know I didn't. If I could get away with it right now, if I could get away with it right now, I would say the most fucked up shit in the world mm -hmm. because I don't mean it, and that's the comedy. The joke yeah. is that clearly I don't mean it. Of course. And what I've noticed is you're one of the few people who's been around YouTube to see the change. When you came into YouTube, it was broadcast yourself. Say what the fuck you want. Yeah. We're going to pay you. It's great. Yep. Now. Do two hour long video essays on the most banal shit. Yeah. It, that's what it is. Now it's a completely different place. Yeah where it's changed completely. Um, what are you as a creator feeling like now in the creative process, in the direction you're going, because of these boundaries that restrict someone who has dark humor like you do? For the people who don't know, um, my entire Francis character was largely demonetized from the very beginning. Even before there was a yellow icon, I would get the lowest paying ads only. And I made a fraction of the money I should have made because I continued to make Francis sketches, Francis videos, shit, fuck, cunt, piss, this, whatever, smashing stuff, breaking stuff. And as soon as I got a YouTube rep, my YouTube rep's like, you got to stop the swearing and you got to stop being angry. And I'm like, that's the entire character. So go fuck yourself. That's what I'm choosing to do. But you're not going to get paid if you do it. Well, my audience will take care of me. And they have for the most part. I'm very grateful for that. They're taking care of me still to this day. They're buying t-shirts for this fight. God bless you. 
Um, and I eventually, even even I was like a few years ago, I'm like, God, I guess I have to peel it back. I, I look into the financials. I'm looking at the, the fact that they're burying my videos in the algorithm. I'm looking at the fact that I'm getting canceled over and over again. I've got I've to change things. And it's very frustrating because I don't like hate speech. I don't want anybody saying the N-word this on, on my platform. I, don't, I, I understand, but where they're choosing to draw the line is so ludicrous. I can't pretend to be angry. I can't pretend to have a fight. It's uh, it's I, like on one fucking planet. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a parody, though. The character is a parody, and you had other characters. He's a parody of me. That's the <clears throat> thing about it. Like sixteen-year-old me, not in control of his autism, not in control of his post-traumatic stress disorder. I would play a video game. I'd smash a controller. I remember very distinctly one time in high school, I picked up a desk and threw it through a window because they were going to tell my mom I was in trouble, and I knew I was going to get the shit beat out of me at home. So that's sixteen-year-old me. That's who Francis is based off of. How the fuck am I not allowed to make fun of me? Unfortunately, because of TikTok, I'm blaming TikTok anyway. I mean, I could be wrong, but like shit, dumb, quick flick, uh, bubblegum content is becoming the way, like, you know, you probably remember people like Bill Hicks, I would imagine. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and like geniuses who were, I don't know if they're coming in this generation. Like, you know, that generation of where Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy and all of these legends were born when i'm watching youtube content i'm not seeing talent like that coming. no we're such uh, to begin with i'll tell you my youtube algorithm is currently or my tiktok algorithm i'm so proud of it when i first signed up for tiktok it was half naked girls dancing and i'm like shit pornhub exists why do i need this right yeah. um and now i have it finely tuned towards mental health shit uh, it is the occasional e-girl, but not necessarily like the, the dirtier ones. It's more like the ones talking about mental health and shit. Mm. It's stand-up comedians and dogs. That's my entire TikTok algorithm. Bring it up right now. I'd show it. It's all it's going to be. TikTok algorithm scares. It's still right. But that's the point I'm making is that we are now a slave to algorithms. Yeah. And uh, it might not be true for everybody. If you're watching this, you might not think you're a slave to the algorithm. And maybe you are not. It's, but the majority of stupid people are certainly always just going to do what the algorithm tells them to do and watch what the algorithm tells them to watch. YouTube subscriptions don't matter no more. It's no, actually, they're dead. It's dead. all about algorithm. And and I've, I've learned that. And it's like, you mean to tell me I've worked this hard all this time as you have. Four million subscribers uh, and literally I can upload a video and get 10,000 views. And, and that's that's the point though, is is it, it, they've completely abandoned the idea of subscription, which I personally used to love. Yeah. And now because, because of, I mean, TikTok specifically, I've only just started TikTok like a couple of months ago and I didn't really use it much, but I just tried out the other day and I was like, okay, let me, so I watched like 30 seconds about this thing of fentanyl, uh, this epidemic in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I flicked and I was like, okay, I flicked a few more times and there was another fentanyl thing. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yep. Like it, is scary. It, I was like, I can't believe how much this is reading what I'm watching here. Like, yeah. because because I came at it from a blank slate, I'd never watched anything before. It was switching on immediately to every little thing. And anything I swiped off of quicker, boom, disregarded that. Never served another one of those videos up. The fentanyl keep coming. It's like I'm fucking loving fentanyl. Right, yeah. It, it's interesting because, the, mm. so to begin with, TikTok's regulations, owned by fucking China, and they are not as restrictive as youtube seems to be these days like it's fascinating you you cannot upload shit to you like tiktok seems progressive compared to youtube these days that said um youtube now has the shorts feed 
And every time I log into the shorts feed, it's like, you really want to watch Steven Crowder clips, don't you? And I'm like, not really, man. I don't necessarily agree with that guy. Yeah, and it was like, well, what about Joe Rogan? You want to watch a lot of Joe Rogan? I'm like, I'll watch a little bit of Joe Rogan, like anybody, but well, that's not the only thing I want to watch. But what about this neckbeard screaming about how much he hates women? Uh, no, I definitely don't want to watch that. That's it's so convinced mm. that that's what I want to watch. Um, and I like, I keep trying to train it. I'm like, no, do not, I don't like this. I do not like this. Oh, I do like this. I do like this. It's like, all right. But here's another Steven Crowder clip. And I'm like, but I'm not a fan. Yeah. Why I, are you doing this? I, I find Instagram and YouTube to be both pretty poor by comparison. Like TikTok's algorithm seems to be on another planet. It's scary. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Boogie, I want to thank you, mate, for coming. It's been Ooh, thank you for having Honestly, me. This has been a good time. This has been, a, uh, you've delivered. Like everything I wanted. Yeah, but I'm glad. Any other questions, whatever you got for me, I'm here. I'd like to just text you like a mate and just keep in touch with you. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, but my final question, I'd like to ask everyone this, and uh, I think uh, it's a nice way to end, is how would you like to be remembered when it's all said and done? Boogie 2988. I, I think there's two answers to that. Well, take your time. There's no pressure. I think the old answer would be something like, uh, I'd be cool to like have a little burial site in my town. Oh, that YouTuber was from here. And oh, the people in St. Paul, Virginia, all oh, that YouTuber, well, you know, he made good. He got out of this small town, you know, lived a good life. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think I care about that kind of thing anymore. I think what I care about is there's people out there who've found my videos when they were suicidal and and they saw me talk about my suicidal feelings and thoughts or people who've uh grew up in abusive homes and are struggling with that and they saw my videos talking about it or maybe just some morbidly obese guy who looked at me because i'm another morbidly obese guy there's a way we have a kidney ship you know two fatties you know oh, that guy's fat i'm interested i want to learn about it, right we maybe they looked at me because of that and felt a little bit better about their own bodies and their own minds or maybe they felt superior to me they're like i'm not as fucked up as him i'm not as ugly as him or whatever it is, but I just like to remember. I, I'd like to be remembered by those people as just someone that helped them along the way. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you know, I don't have to build a shrine. I don't have to write a book. I don't have to. None of that bullshit. Because all that shit's temporary anyway. Mm -hmm. But if they can carry that with them for the rest of their lives and and hopefully into the ether, um, and 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 my model, of the universe that I got from psychedelics is true. When we meet each other in the ether again, we can hug each other and. And and he'd say like, hey man, you helped me, and I'll be like, fuck yeah, I'm glad you did. You helped me by watching the videos and by being there and by supporting me and helping me along my way. And and then we can roll up new characters and say, see you in the next one. Fuck you, you helped me. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I'll always remember, remind everyone of every time I ever hear that. Okay, people, I met a fan. Um, I think she's gonna be a friend. We've been talking for a while now, uh, but at this last convention I went to. And she's like, oh, I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, and I watched your videos and your friend Michael's videos, and, and they really helped me during that period of time. And I'm bullshit. Are you kidding me? You're the hero. You're the one kicking cancer's ass. You're the one who survived for the last three years. You're the one who's going to survive the next 15 years. I ain't got nothing to do with that. You were the one who built this business. You're the one who did the podcast. You're the one who did the show. I'm glad that I could be a minor distraction along the way maybe an arrow that points a direction but that's all i'll ever be in somebody else's life but i'm glad to be that that was boogie 2988 
on the True Geordie podcast, YouTube's underdog hero. That's what you. Oh, well, thank you, man. You, you, uh, you make me feel very good about myself, and I'm really glad we got a chance to do this, man. Thank awesome, you. awesome. I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you have, come on, show Buggy some love. You got to check his channel out. The link for it will be in the description below. He's back better than ever, and he's fighting. Yeah, at Wembley tomorrow. Night. Oh God, I temporarily forgot that. I was so busy in this podcast. <laughs> like, shit, I have to fight a guy in like 24 hours. Uh, give him hell, son. Woo! But put some West Virginia on his ass. You should damn well better be excited. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Let's go and kill him. <laughs> <laughs>